Welcome to another exciting episode of the Sparkcast. I am your host, Sean. Mick Sammy. Which is still weird, but you know, Mick, Mick Samier sounds weirder. So anyways, continue. <laughs> and Thomas. Not Thomas Hook. I don't know the names make... of the, the, the construction. Or Long Hook Thomas. Work with anything, Long, so. Long Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start up my own fast food fish company. <laughs> yes. So yeah, we're talking about Constructicons today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. So we've got a nice little uh, treat for you here. We're going to read through the bios of the six original Constructicons and Devastator. The original toy. Think my brain sentence. My brain was like, I need five minutes to recalibrate, and then it shorted out. So, don't worry. I plugged it back in. It should be fine now. Remember to reboot your brain every few minutes. <laughs> we are got a nice treat for you. Now I already said that. I know. Um. So, you mean to do begin, this? <laughs> the Japanese episode. Let's begin with that. Constructicons. There are six green and purple Constructicon vehicles that work for the Decepticons. They're the grunts for constructing, the brains for designing, and the grunts for carrying items from one place to another. So, who wants to start with Hook? I'll go ahead and take that. Okay. We'll start with the most forgettable Constructicon. Hook. Hook transforms into a Constructicon crane that contains a hook on a wired rig. <laughs> hook quote, strive for perfection even if others must suffer. Hook's bio. With the precision of a fine jeweler, Hook performs his job with skill unequaled among the Transformers. Whether reconnecting a damaged microchip or setting a two-ton girder into place, he's a snobbish uh, supercilious? unpopular perfectionist who is able to lift 20 tons as shoulders and head module combines with fellow constructor cons to form giant robot devastator so really this is just the gobot of transformers <laughs> <laughs> hook fun facts in future toys when five characters became six to save money hook and mix master were replaced with the new constructor con called hightower he has a crane arm it is never explained if he is rebuilt Hook or a new Decepticon entirely. Hook mm. was not able to be used on any figures from 1993 to 2012. It was never found out if this was due to the rejection of the copyright, Hasbro playing it safe, or Hasbro forgetting to renew the trademark. When it returned, due to Hook being such a normal word, it is always Decepticon Hook or Constructicon Hook. When did that Hook movie come out? Maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> His original name in Japan was Constructive Vehicle Robot Number Three Truck Crane. <laughs> I mean, that's a good name, guys. Good name. Good. good. Oh God, Constructicon Vehicle Robot Number Three Truck Crane. Oh man. I mean, Japan and their long names. It makes sense. <laughs> the others were similarly named. All right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess so. They all had names like that. He is one of the most broken toys due to his complicated design to transform, with many kids not understanding how to extend and flip his legs, resulting in many removed legs. 
That's, That's funny. Really depressing. Yeah. It's one of those weird things where you have to kick his legs 45 degrees up and then turn them, not all the way. Or then you're flipping through some plastic thing and then people would just snap it off, not understanding what they were supposed to do. So I was like, all right, then good design. But I guess you made like 80 of these. So it's not all of them are always going to be perfect. Sammy, you want to take the next one? Yeah. So this is old long haul. Long haul turns into an open back dump truck. (laughs) The quote is a battlefront is only as good as its supply line, which I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) His bio (laughs) is unhappy with an unglamorous role, but understands its importance, helps build Decepticon's massive energy recovery installations. As a vehicle, can carry 90 tons for 1,200 miles, use a dual heat-seeking missile mount. As torso module, combines with fellow Constructicons to form giant robot Devastator, can be goaded into a fight in which he's overmatched. (laughs) Oh! So he's the loser of the bunch. (laughs) The fun facts. He originally had two versions released, one with a slot in his chest and one without, the slot being for a wing attachment from the Japanese line that was removed. I'm sorry, a wing on his chest? What? Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, Japan. One of his complete redesigns in 2007 gave him a pincer-like crane as a crane vehicle, so now we have two cranes. His original design had his head where the driver's seat was, resulting in some odd drawings in the storybooks. Also in the cartoon, his head would disappear and reappear, instead of transforming due to this. Then, in two episodes of season three, he is colored blue and orange, but then goes back to normal in the rest of his appearances. His other names in Italian, Mandarin, and Russian translate to Boulder, Trailer, and Heavy Truck. Frankly, I like Boulder more than Long Haul. Yeah. Mixmaster. Mixmaster turns into a concrete mixing truck. His quote is, How strong the steel, how quick the conquest. Mixmaster bio. Nothing is safe from him. He will use everything from unliving rock to living robot in making new materials. Uses acid and bonding agents to reduce and recombine almost anything inside mixing drum. A chemistry lab on wheels. As left leg module, combines with fellow Constructicons to form giant robot Devastator. Seems like there's less words for that one. All right, his single fun fact I found. Unfortunately, forming Devastator with Mixmaster destroyed Mixmaster's rub sign due to where it was placed on him. Whoops. So every time you're merging him into Devastator, it's like, whoops, scraping it off a little. Well, here's fun fact. I'm pretty sure Mixmaster is like the only one that is in Transformers Animated because I don't remember an entire Devastator in Animated. Well, in Animated, there were two of them, right? Yeah, and now I'm forgetting who the other one is. Yeah, because the third one, a third little guy shows up later, but I think he was an original character. I can't remember. I only remember Mixmaster because he was actually kind of interesting. <laughs> were they referred to as Constructicons if there were only yes. two of them? But they were also a lot more stupider and animated. They weren't like yeah the intelligent, you know, designer things like they were in this one. And they weren't really that more intelligent in this. Thomas. You have the next one, Scavenger. Scavenger turns into an excavating crane slash shovel. In Japan, his original figure called him a power shovel. A power shovel. (laughs) Scavenger quote, everything is worth something, even me. Oh, my God. (laughs) This makes you want to take care of him, right? 
Scavenger everything is worth favorite. something as long as you have courage. <laughs> oh my god. God dang it. <laughs> uh, he needs to get together with Chip then. Uh... Scavenger bio. Desperately tries to prove his worth to his comrades <laughs> by trying to find things of value. It's just funny to read that sentence after his quote where he's just like, I'm worth something. I'm worth something. Let me show you I'm worth something. <laughs> That's so cute, though. Uh, desperately tries to prove his worth to comrades by trying to find things of value, whether by digging up a hillside or a backyard. Only tolerated because of his ability to use, to use his shovel's magnetic, ionic, electrical gas gas sensors to detect the presence of fuels, metals, etc. That is one complicated baby, shovel. <laughs> As right arm module combines with fellow Constructicons to form into giant robot Devastator. Scavenger fun facts. Scavenger and Scrounge were the final two names, but Scavenger was marked out of the series Bible and he was called Scrounge once in his first appearance. It is unknown how Scavenger was decided on. In Italian, his name translates to arm. In Mandarin, based on the country, it translates to street cleaner, Taiwan, and sweeper in China. In Russia, his name is literally garbage collector. <laughs> He's not my favorite Constructicon. <laughs> Hello, I am garbage collector. <laughs> Please pay attention to me. One thing I saw is that he always tries to find stuff that he thinks will be like, oh, this could be used for whatever. And the rest of the, his buddies are just like, that's just trash. And then so they have a low opinion of him still. And so never win. So Bone Crusher, which is like the total opposite of Scavenger, it sounds. Bone Crusher turns into a bulldozer. His quote is, hit it till it stands no taller than dust. Hmm. <laughs> what? His bio is, rubble-strewn wasteland is his idea of a beautiful landscape. His wild ways create fear and terror. As vehicle at 30 miles per hour. That's copy and pasted straight from the toy bio. Hi, grammar. Um, we missed you. Exerts 800,000 PSI, has short-range concussion bomb launcher. As robot, carries a laser pistol. As left arm module, combines with fellow Constructicons to form giant robot devastator. I'm just laughing at, at as vehicle at 30. <laughs> um... His fun facts. His names in Italian and Chinese are translated as Shield and Bucker? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's neither of those make sense. Bone Crusher, according to one of the kids' books, has a younger brother named Gravedigger. Gravedigger. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, who is a dump truck? This fluke possibly happened because Gravedigger was a possible name for Scrapper that wasn't chosen, even though Scrapper is a shovel dozer. Despite being called Gravedigger, he has a call sign called Buildmaster. Gravedigger had been marked out in pen, and Scrapper was written beside it. Through miscommunication was he born. <laughs> Wait, I love Gravedigger now, too. Gravedigger and Pwn Crusher? Like, those are freaking awesome. And uh, he might show up on a future podcast, because I think he's only in, like, one storybook. One of the uh, coloring books or something. Who knows? I'm stoked. So, next we have Scrapper. Scrapper turns into... I'm not really sure what he is. I was like, a forklift? No, it's not a forklift. He's called a shovel dozer in Japan. He's the leader of the Constructicons and the ones that designs all of their inventions. Scrapper, quote, my work is a monument to and of my enemies. Scrapper I mean, that's Bio. nice. <laughs> a wizard at designing fortresses and energy plants, but modest. 
shows his true malevolent genius by incorporating defeated Autobots into his building structures. Shovel can slice through 12 inches thick carbon steel, lift 30 tons. As right leg and part of torso combines with fellow Constructicons form giant robot Devastator. Okay, his fun facts. Despite being the leader, he does not form the torso or the head like all future combiners. He is the right leg. The right leg is very important. <laughs> Due to the simplicity of his name, for trademark reasons, his name is now also always Decepticon Scrapper or Constructicon Scrapper. And in Italian, his name translates to Growl, and in the Ukraine, to Trasher. Yeah, Trasher. <laughs> yeah, Trasher. That's his punk name. I wonder how I wonder if some of these names are just sometimes loosely interpreted like wrong or the context is taken out and becomes slightly different. Like how we got shield from bone cruncher crusher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I feel like we have to uh, like all read devastator all at the same time. Oh my God. <laughs> Why don't we, do it, we should read it singular and then I'll, Composite the audio later with all of us no. together, so that uh, way it, no. we that can be, be sure. That, editing that together would be as long as editing <laughs> a, an episode. <laughs> yeah, it's a nightmare. Just everybody uh, listening at home. Imagine that we're all reading it at the same time. Well, here you go. We can do that for the quote. All right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right. You ready? Three. Yeah, let's go. Two. One. Thinking, Thinking and, and winning. And winning do not mix. mix. <laughs> that was terrible yeah that was great we should do the whole thing now yeah i sure. think it really worked out guys <laughs> <laughs> what do you think listener all oh, right this isn't live <laughs> the listener says yeah oh the listener says why am i listening to this podcast <laughs> no <laughs> come back please our one listener <laughs> So, Devastator is the combined form of all six. Excuse me. That is supposed to be Thomas. Oh, God. I was just going to read that and say who wanted to read the bio. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Never mind. I thought you were here just trying to steal some thunder. The Devastator. Devastator. (laughs) Hey, we did it. We did it without even trying. How did that happen? Why did that work on accident? Just take him. Devastator is the combined form of all six Constructicons. He is the first combiner in the cartoons and the first combiner figure of the Transformers line. Devastator quote, thinking and winning do not mix. Devastator bio, awesome and terrifying. This Decepticon is a bizarre combination of six Constructicons. Scrapper, Scavenger, Bone Crusher, Hook, Long Haul, and Mixmaster. He is pure brutality as his sole purpose is to crush all in his path. His mind is a melding together of six parts, but he is limited by their competing thoughts. He possesses enormous height and incredible strength, can knock down a bridge with one punch. He carries a 10,000 degrees Celsius solar energy beam rifle. Devastator is slow, awkward, and not too bright. (laughs) Way to end all that power with, uh, by the way, he's kind (laughs) of, you know, all brawn, no brains. Mm Mm-hmm. Devastator Fun Facts. His original name was to be the Destructoid. It was crossed out by hand and replaced with Devastator later in the development process. Even Devastator cannot defeat the U.S. Patent and Copyright Office. (laughs) Since the 2000, he must also be called Constructicon Devastator when sold nowadays. 
That sucks. <laughs> Devastator. I mean, I guess it's, is that really just a generic term? That's just like, yeah, I guess. All right, well. I don't think I've ever heard anybody use it in like casual conversation, but OK. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, it's a word, but nobody really uses it. I feel like they could kind of lay claim. I mean, and be mm-hmm. known for when you say Devastator, that's Devastator, the robot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, whatever. His tech specs list his crouch as a shock absorber. His crotch. Okay, I was going to say, like, does this mean crouch? Does he crouch to shock, to absorb no. shock? Or his Both crotch? of these are terrible. It's a shock absorber. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, thanks for clearing that out, Sean. That, now it makes complete sense for sure. <laughs> his crotch <laughs> is used as a shock absorber. No, this is what it points to in the bio where it lists all his parts and what the powers are. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there are too many dirty jokes, so I'm just going to sit here and, like, not say anything. Uh, what do you mean? Because his name is Devastator? No. 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 I mean, yes, but no. Yes, actually. Oh, God. This is all terrible. <laughs> Anyway, just read the next one. Whoever's not You're the one who put this in here. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, you put that in and expect us not to say anything about it. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) All right. In Hebrew, his name translates as Annihilator. In Hungarian, it is Destroyer. But in the awful Hungarian doves, he is called Deathbringer in the movie. But Mega Robot in the TV series. Yeah, best name ever. It's the mega robot. The oh, mega no, it's robot. Terrifying. <laughs> Italian is the the least threatening action master. Finally, in China, his name is Heracles. Mm-hmm. Heracles makes sense, though. Yeah. yeah. The one. Uh, this is. I, I read this one because what I find odd is there's a bust of the upper half of Devastator just crushing a steel beam, like with his mouth open, like I'm strong, and I'm just like, okay. It's just a weird design to be like, I'm crushing metal beam. I'm like, okay, that's more of a Superman thing, but whatever. I mean, maybe it'd be more interesting if it's like, you know, crushing some robots in half or something, but maybe that would be too violent. Yeah, probably. (laughs) You can read that last one, Thomas. Devastator has more figures than any of the individual constructor cons. If you couldn't tell who is the most popular of the seven. (laughs) Is it seven or is there eight? Didn't, didn't well, one the of six get... Constructicons, with the seventh being Devastator himself. Well, did they make a new Constructicon when they reduced them down to five? Oh, that was like for future figures, like early 2000s or nine, uh, early 2000s. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Hey, Sammy, you want to... So we got some Constructicon fun facts, as well as their entire fate after the movie. Heck yeah. So the Constructicon toys were released in 1985, the same as the Insecticons. The episodes featuring each were both released in December 1984, however. In Generation 1, to help add to the confusion, there's also an Autobot construction patrol team and a constructor squad, both of which are Micromasters. Many recolors of Devastator replace the green with yellow. The last toys of all six Constructicons that could also form Devastator were Walmart exclusives in 2018, which frankly isn't that too far back, so... Yeah, I just thought it was weird that they were Walmart exclusives. Like, you can only buy it here at Walmart. They're doing a lot of Walmart exclusives. Like, I don't know what's up with that. 
like they or, just put are out you the... with transformers in general or yeah I feel like yeah i think so it that the like retail exclusive with like but it's not know, just like, retail it, exclusive it's walmart only well yeah. no, that's what i mean but i i because i just heard recently about um there's some board the back to the future that one that is oh. target exclusive so it seems like yeah i don't know just entertainment uh media is just i don't know why that's becoming a trend where like you can only go to this retailer to get this product i mean it's it's a cash grab for that company essentially like you corner the market with that I mean that's why hot topic like funko exclusives are so expensive in the aftermarket oh geez they have exclusive funkos is that the only reason they stay in business i'm pretty sure (laughs) fade after the movie in season three, the Constructicons all appear in the five-part season three premiere and a few more episodes. They appear again in Headmasters under Six Shots Command. They would sadly lose much of their power when a single Autopot, Blaster, defeated them in their final Headmasters appearance. Heck yeah, Blaster! <laughs> I didn't know he was that powerful. Of course, during that point, Blaster had been destroyed and rebuilt as Twincast. For all you, you know, people who are going to correct us in the comments. No, just kidding. Womp. They then trick Grapple, who they had tricked once before, and Chip Chase into helping them rebuild a Decepticon city on Earth that had previously been destroyed in a story in who knows where in canon. How did they convince Chip Chase? How? I don't know. How? Okay, whatever. In the last Generation 1 cartoon, Transformers Zone, a one-shot OVA, Devastator became one of the nine Demon Generals following Decepticon Emperor Violin Jiger. What? Vi- I think it was supposed is it supposed to be, to be a... violent? No, I, 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 he, that's his is name. Is he a violin? What, what am I'm I surprised reading? he's not Supreme Decepticon Emperor, because you know how the Japanese love to oh, just true. add more words in front of things for their shows. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Golden Supreme Emperor Violin Jiger. <laughs> oh my god, However, this is not a, a typo. It is just Violin Jiger. <laughs> Wait, wait, it, wait. Looks, it looks freaky. <laughs> yeah, I think it was supposed to be a possible pilot, maybe. But at that point, the Transformers brand was like pretty much waning and on the way out. Well, I'm totally looking them up too. Mm-hmm. Oh, ew! What the? What the yeah, this we'll does get that into 15 like... years when we okay, end this... our entire podcast. This looks like a Yu-Gi-Oh monster. Like, what is this? <laughs> He's a giant space demon. It's like the size of a. He's planet. a Yu-Gi-Oh monster. <laughs> He's straight up. Hold on, I just I don't remember what he looks like. It's been years since I watched the, this. The toy, toy, even more straight up Yu-Gi-Oh monster. He looks like specifically like I think his name is Skullmaster. He's like a fusion monster. It's really right, he looks weird. Looks like a Giver monster. Okay, also fair. He, anyways, regardless, he looks nothing like a Transformer. Yeah, he looks like a demon thing happening okay well, well I guess anyways he does have a demon skull with fire around it in the actual you know transformers magazine so i don't understand anything okay uh what was i however he was defeated and knocked into lava he reappeared working for a returned megatron who is no longer galvatron and helped him create genetic mutations but at this point in their life they had lost the will to fight and froze when they saw optimus prime invade their laboratory too afraid to fight him that's actually really depressing. <laughs> I know. They're like, man, we got taken out by Blaster. Oh, another chance. We can be a de- oh, defeated in their first encounter. And then... They're just, like, done. 
And they're like, we're so done with life at this point. Please just just let us die. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. We used to be so powerful, but then other action figures came along to replace us in the sales charts <laughs> and the storylines. No. <laughs> oh, but anyway, that was the Constructicons. I'm pretty sure we've talked about Devastator a lot during the episode, but I do like Devastator, even though I don't ever remember any of the Constructicons. Like, they all look way too similar to remember who any of them are. I, I seriously only remember the name Mixmaster, but I don't know his personality. All I remember is... Again, There's I only one... remember TFA's Mixmaster. I don't, I don't remember any of the Constructicons. Like... Yeah. The only one I remember is the one from animated because he's the one always making back deals and like always out for himself wait what no he isn't isn't or am i thinking of another one entirely that was swindle swindle okay swindle's not a constructicon never mind no okay i really don't know the constructicons (laughs) oh my god no mixmaster like had this like really like thick voice and like i forgot who we worked with but like yeah he was just kind of like it's gonna sound to- totally like alley trash. <laughs> that sounds so bad. But like he's just stereotypical. Like, hey, I'm a villain. Like, get out of my way. I'm just trying to like you know make ends meet. Like he was not threatening at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, Thomas, but Bombshell is more memorable than the six Constructicons. <laughs> is he um... though? He's the only well, yeah, one of we, the nine. We... It's him. Bombshell and Devastator are the only ones I remember from all ten of them. So, so I guess we never discussed. It never came up like why he didn't have the visor. I guess in his first appearance, and then after that, he always had the the red visor over his eyes. Well, is, does not that all the time? At all? But... Oh, that so that ha- oh, okay. It wasn't just a one-time thing, and that's not how his figure is supposed to look. One of the action figures was actually called the Anime Devastator, so that he actually looks like the one wearing the goggles and stuff for the first time. Okay, so so which form? So he's supposed to, he he should be dis- uh, portrayed without the visor, or yeah, with the original the figure I think was just the flat face that looks pretty bad. Okay. And today we're going to be looking at the Insecticons. We're going to look at their original toy bios and quote, as well as their fate after the movie. Who wants to start with Shrapnel? I'll start with Shrapnel. Okay. Shrapnel is the Insecticon that has two large extensions growing upward on his shoulder, transforms into a stag beetle, and is the one that always repeats the last word in his sentence. 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 Sorry. I hate bugs so much. Um, his original toy quote is control electricity and you control the world. World. <laughs> his original... uh, how does that? Yeah, I... What? How did you control the world when there was no electricity? I... That seems like, I don't know. There was kinda... like lightning. The skies <laughs> always have electricity. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Uh, Original toy description. The noise of war and the scream of his foes are music to this loathsome Insecticon's audio modules. His has a piercing battle cry that can be heard eight miles away. In insect mode, can use antenna to control almost any electrical device that we never see. 
uh, in robot mode, can attract lightning bolts to Atena and shoot them out of his hands. Grenade Launcher shoots 30-pound steel balls that splinter into razor-sharp spikes, and insulation can stop his electrical blasts. <laughs> okay. So the fate after the movie. During the movie, despite dying and being incorporated into Unicron's lackeys as Cyclonus Scourge and the Sweeps, Shrapnel appears on Junk to attack Daniel later in the movie and later in season three in two episodes. Because, you know, he's a bug. He'll come back. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you thought you killed it. You did not. Mm -hmm. uh, the Shrapnel fun facts. Shrapnel was renamed in future figure releases to Sharpshot, then Scrapnel, because Hasbro was not allowed to obtain the Shrapnel trademark. Who has the Shrapnel trademark? It might be uh, just because you're not allowed to trademark simple words like that. Oh, okay. That, Simple that's everyday words are not allowed to be trademarked. Okay, that makes sense. He was Shrapnel in the last 2019 figure, but a 2020 future figure is stated as being Shrapnel again. It is unknown if Hasbro attained the trademark once again. They might do that whole thing where they go, Insecticon Shrapnel or Decepticon Shrapnel to get around the trademark by combining two words, but since this is in the future, I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll see when it comes out. <laughs> In France and Russia, Shrapnel was given a female voice in the movie, despite the fact that only male stag beetles have pincers. Starscream was also given a female voice in the movie's French dub. What? <laughs> I put that in there for you guys. Thank you. But That's I need so to weird. hear this now. Like, why? <laughs> it's like, what? Did they not have the TV show over there? They just thought that that was going to be okay. It was like, <laughs> hilarious. Holy crap. Okay. Well, whose whose decision was this? Like, wh what? Okay, okay. Thanks, France. Thank you, France. Dub great. T ten out of ten. Wow. <laughs> okay. In the Japanese version, Shrapnel is given a Japanese. I'm calling out my attack for his lightning bolt attack, which he calls thunder attack. How many times can I say attack in one sentence? <laughs> um. And also, you know, that's fair. He's like a little Pokemon now. Mm -hmm. The original toy art depicted him with two left hands. <laughs> Did he Good have job. hands? Good job. Like, well, I guess he's robot mode hands, right? Every Decepticon's got to hold a gun. That's why he has a hand to hold guns. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Oh god! Uh, oh my goodness. Um, during the Beast Wars cartoon, Waspinator gets a head injury and thinks he was originally Shrapnel. Okay. All right. Okay, Waspinator, you funky bee. Wasp. Yeah. You have so many problems. I can do the next one because I need Thomas to read the last one. Okay. 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 So <laughs> this is Kickback. Kickback is the Insecticon with two straight wings on his shoulder and transforms into a grasshopper. His original toy quote is, friend is another word for fool. Then call me a fool. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Original toy quote, charming but cruelly clever, makes friends so he can influence them to do his bidding by digging up facts he can hold against them. <sighs> Humans put... <laughs> hey, oh buddy, my God. buddy, what's you your like... deepest, darkest secret? Wow, so it's the internet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Humans particularly susceptible to this Insecticon. What, becoming his friend? <laughs> I was like... Well, Man, no, he's, he's he's well, no. Humans have a lot of like dirt that like they can dig up. So like, it makes sense. 
But like you could blackmail sound... you could blackmail a human so much easier than a robot. Like what has a robot ever done? Political issues? Pfft, like every ro- every transformer has been there. That's nothing new. It, it just feels like <laughs> when they say they're particularly susceptible, it means like to his friendship, basically. Following that other <laughs> <What>? sentence. <laughs> In yeah, don't, you, don't you remember all those like buddy movies back in the eighties where kids wanted to be friends with like grasshoppers? I remember when all of everybody those. knew your name mm-hmm. or something. And I don't know why I'm picturing freaking kickback just like with all these humans, you know, wrapped around holding one human on each arm, just being like, yeah, friendship. I'm done. <laughs> In insect mode, he can jump 40 feet for a distance of 0.1 miles. Oh, wow. Can kick a hole in a fourth inch steel. Can fly 30 miles an hour up to 100 miles. Submachine gun fires 300 rounds per minute. Jesus. Very vulnerable as insect and flying in high winds. So he's a terrible. He's yeah. <laughs> He's got some terrible powers. Like all of this stuff is just dumb. It was like, hey, if you want to know about what this human did the other night, I'm your man. <laughs> I can jump really high. <laughs> but he's yeah. very vulnerable as an insect. Like that is your thing thing why are you vulnerable as the thing that you were supposed to be what oh my god kickback no don't go out there during that windstorm there's ah. <laughs> a tornado uh, d- okay so fate after the movie despite dying the same way as shrapnel he appears in two season three episodes also but unlike shrapnel he appears in two later japanese comics where his rebirth is unexplained and he just joins the Decepticons in battle. Nothing about him has changed. All right, so for just his fun fact, in France, French, his name is Laruda, which basically means the kick. And in Russia, it translates to jumper. And in the Ukraine, it's punch, even though he kicks. So good job they there. They really screwed that one up. <laughs> the kick, though, sounds like really badass. <laughs> the kick flies off in a high wind. <laughs> I'm imagining him jumping into the air to make a karate kick, and then right when he reaches the top of the kick and his jump, the wind blows him away while people were trying to, you know, be in all of his his kicking abilities. Ten out of ten, someone draw that. Oh god. <laughs> so Thomas, bombshell. All right. Bombshell is the insecticon with a giant gun growing out the back of his head as he turns into a rhinoceros beetle. His original toy quote. The mind is my playpen. <laughs> okay. Original toy description. Can turn foes into helpless accomplices by ejecting cerebral shells into their head, robot or human, with this stinger. Gives them control of their minds. Has a cruel sense of humor. Arms himself by having his victims debase themselves. Oh, wow. That's Excuse a- me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> they could not have worded that any better. Yeah. In insect mode, this Insecticon can fly 10 kilometers. In robot mode, wears head-mounted mount- mortar, throws 25-kilogram explosive shell 15 kilometers. Cerebro shells can be used against him if removed from victim's head. Man, this... <laughs> what is up with this guy? I There's think some darkness that. here. <laughs> I think we're going to see that in a future episode. We're like, oh, I can, you know, re-triangulate the blah 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 to find out where he's controlling them from. You know? Okay, are the cerebral shells just like attaching to their head to so the outside? They're not like boring in. 
Oh no! They, like, he he shoots them right into their head with his gun or his. I think. Why is it that we have the creep who just like repeats sentences and controls thunder, the weirdo? Then we have the the badass tr- tr- tries too hard, but really can't do anything. And then this guy who's a murderer. <laughs> also remember the shrapnel, even though it's not in his robot description, he can control one or two people with an electromagnetic thing in the episode we saw him in. How did Kickback join this team? (laughs) Did they just pity him? They're like, oh man, I guess you're a bug, so you have to join us. But like, just stay in the back. You just, it's fine. All right, Thomas, get ready. You know, get some water. Get ready for this fate after the movie. Oh no. Yeah, there's a lot. (laughs) All right, fate after the movie. During the movie, the door, sorry, already messed it up. <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> During the movie, his body was used to make Cyclonus's body. According to Sean, as ranted in a prior podcast, <laughs> thus we are going into Cyclonus's future the same way we went into Thundercracker and Scur- Scourge's future. Also, Bombshell never showed up in any future Japanese continuity, manga, or Toy Stories despite two episodes of season three, which were likely animation errors due to the Japanese not knowing what happened in the movie. Did they not get the movie released? No, they were translating season three, like uh, many of the episodes before the movie ever came over there, translated. Mm, Okay. So that's why there was a lot of animation errors for the American scripts going over there, as well as for, as well as when they get it, just, you know, when they are doing the script for their own episodes, they're like, we don't know what happened. So we just make stuff up. Okay. So, despite being dead, he appeared in season two along with his kin. Despite the fact he was also Cyclonus as well, too. <laughs> as Cyclonus, he is Galvatron's right-hand man throughout all of season three. He joined Megatron in the official manga that could take place in between or after season three. He fought a powerful creature called the Seeker, which turned him into Skywarp, despite <laughs> the fact he was really Bombshell. I am confused. That's because that was uh, apparently in the American continuity. They, someone made a story that made him bombshell, but the Japanese, a Japanese comic that came with one of the toys, decided to declare him as Skywarp. So now there's conflicting continuities. Did he look the same, and they just called him Skywarp, or did they? Oh just yeah, no. He. Yeah, I'm just him. pretending because I'm right here that he really is the bombshell. No. <laughs> follow-up on that sentence he gained his powers to teleport so as not to interfere with the headmaster's cartoon where he joined scorponok but went right back to following galvatron when he returned alive until he died again <laughs> he then became possessed by an alternate universe galvatron the one that worked alongside megatron in the original manga and stories that took place before the movie which liked to talk as a face of his chest and led him to combine with other decepticons to become grand galvatron after ridding himself of Galvatron, he helped defeat Unicron and then decided to reorganize the Decepticons under his leadership, finally deciding to be a leader instead of a follower. That's a lot of going on with Bombshell that <laughs> it doesn't make sense and it doesn't fit anything that we've seen in that episode. Yeah, I think uh, I messed up somewhere along there. He got his teleport powers and then lost them at the end of the story so it wouldn't interfere with the Headmaster's cartoon. <laughs> because you know what's continuity continuity is all over the place but you got to make it work but then also him emerging with like cyclonus 
Yeah, it's because, uh, as I mentioned before in the one podcast, it's because he is the one front and center in the movie that gets transformed into Cyclonus. And Skywarp is transformed too as a Cyclonus, but in the background, a third the size. So that's why a lot of people are like, oh, it's Bombshell instead of Skywarp. Whereas a lot of people are like, oh, it's Skywarp because Thundercracker is Scourge. So it should be a set, uh-uh, even though that's not how reading into what happens on the screen works. Even though that was clearly just, you know, the animation because some of the script work, but, you know, whatever. I talked about that before. Like, you can't use the script or animation storyboards for continuity. You can only go with what's on the screen to make sense of the madness. And no, that does not include timelines that Hasbro provides. (laughs) I was like, there's timelines for the Transformers universe. And I'm like, but can this really be official if you can't gleam that from any of the works themselves? All right. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you on your fantastic delve into Bombshell slash Cyclonus. Bombshell fun facts. Like Shrapnel, Hasbro has, was denied the Bombshell trademark, and so he was renamed Hardshell. Though at present, Hasbro has reacquired the Bombshell name, and so all new merchandise uses Bombshell once again. Unlike his other Insecticons, he was released into a new figure in 1991, but only in Europe. He came with a plastic partner named Needler that went on his head as a helmet or his back as a backpack. Okay, so that's like a little mini con that they, they just <laughs> yeah. <had to> wear. <laughs> but I've seen the picture. It looks it looks ridiculous on his head. Well, how big is Needler? Is he is he does he oh, look he's like, like twice the size, two and a half times the size of the head? Okay, so <laughs> yeah, I was wondering like, do the proportions match up a, a and little bright bit? Bright yellow plastic. Like, no. <laughs> And then the this se- was a decision. Color, the color clashes with Bombshell himself? Yes. All right. In the original storyboards, Bombshell was to have been killed by Mirage in the Battle of Autobot City and would have been dead when tossed out of Astrotrain later. Is that an Autobot? Astrotrain? Astrotrain is what Decepticon. everybody... Is a Decepticon that everybody rides in to get to places. Essentially the Decepticon version of Skyfire. Skyfire, okay. Yeah, yeah. And there was another storyboard that just showed Thundercracker carrying Bombshell onto the train. But when the movie was actually made, he was still alive with his other two Insecticons. They were just all very badly damaged, and all three got tossed out while alive. In China, his name is Bomb. In Russia, it's Bomber. And in in Ukraine, it's Grenade. I mean, Um, they got it pretty straightforward, you know? Yeah, I mean, he shoots grenades. So, Sammy, you want to end us off with some Sammy, you and Thomas can alternate between the fun facts? Sure. So uh, the Insecticons were already released as part of the Diaclone Warruder Insector Robo line. They came back recolored as Transformers in Japan, but were available by mail order only. If they were available by mail order only, I wonder how much they are now. <laughs> Is there a giant collector's area uh, over in Japan like they are here for figures for Jap- uh, for Transformers? I mean, I mean, even just like Americans wanting the figure. Oh. But it's just going to be the same color, same everything, just being re-released, mm, being re- mm, in box. Like, I would. You don't say know collectors, man. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I think- still wish I had bought that uh, in Japan. I should have bought the uh, Galvatron from Beast Wars Two figure, even though it Oof. wouldn't have fit anywhere in my bags because we had already filled them with other figures. That's why you just mail stuff home. <laughs> They originally came with pilots that rode inside them in their Japanese Diaclone line. 
Well, that makes no sense, but okay. <laughs> um, Insecticon toys do not appear to be popular. After 1985, the next item would be a statue of all three Insecticons in 2003, with their next figure in 2004. Yeah, because they're giant bugs. No one's surprised. <laughs> yeah, I so. mean, they are kind of just dumb. They just seem, they yeah. act like uh, Dinobots, but not with any real personality. I mean, they do have a, uh, what is it? Kick, uh, uh, who is the electricity? That's uh, Shrapnel, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the only ones I remember is Bombshell because he shows up a lot more, I think, in season two because they use him a lot for his mind control abilities. You get to see a lot more of him. But then the other two are just kind of follow him because he's the leader, basically. Okay. I, I mean, from the episode that I watched, when, and that's my only experience with them, I mean, I feel like shrapnel would probably be the most relevant one just because his powers seem to be like so devastating compared to any transformers powers uh unless you're on unless you're on tires right <laughs> right yeah so they probably want to <laughs> he, he probably never attempts that move again a fourth toy for the diaclone or rooter insect robo line was made and even released in the u in the u.s as venom but never incorporated into the cartoon continuity though he did show up in children's books he transformed into a cicada and was supposed to be the leader of the Insecticons. We might see him in a future podcast. A fifth female Insecticon, just like the fifth female Ninja Turtle, <laughs> Beat Papil, was created in art and story by Tatatoku, but they closed before she could be made. She transformed into a ladybug. And also, she is a giant cutie. Have you, oh, you've seen the art? I just looked it up. Oh, okay, yeah. Ladybug looked... Transformer. Yeah, you should post Adorable! Uh... I'd actually buy that. It actually did look kind of interesting. Um, but the Venom one, I'm just like, all right. Well, let's call our Insecticon Venom, even though it's an insect that doesn't, you know, poison anyone. It's just a harmless cicada. Oh my gosh, wait. But also, like, in the... As I'm doing a quick Google search, uh, apparently in the... What is it called? The, the the TFA guide. There is a character called Firebomb, but she also turns into a ladybug. Like it's definitely supposed to be Beat Papio. Oh, wait, wait, uh, what line is this from? It's it's from the 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 Transformers animated like guidebook. So it has oh, like all the characters okay. that like didn't make it or like all their you know sketches and stuff. Oh my god! So she failed to be made a second time. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> But I also am trying to. We might have to delete that because I don't know if that's entirely true. Hold on a second. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think she. Should. I can go get my book. It's right down there in my uh, art book collection, and I could look it up. I'm looking at this art. She kind of has a face that just like if you just took this head, it would kind of fit in in like the Samurai Pizza Cats TV show. <laughs> right. No. Never mind. Take that back. It is a fan made reference image, but it looks like really professional. Yeah, this is she looks too unique for the show. Like she didn't seem like she would fit. She like her design though. Y'all, if you want to see like some fan fan robot though, like Firebomb, she cool too. That's it's, it's just it's really cool. I, I'm done now. <laughs> I'm so mad now. I just I want a cool ladybug. I I have to show Thomas the really horrible figure of Shrapnel with his stupid his stupid bug uh, helmet. That's fair. Or was it <laughs> Shrapnel? No, it was the other one. Um, it was uh, kickback, right? Bombshell. It was okay. Oh God, get your get your robots right. Oh man, get my robots. Your robots. And oh, okay, never mind. It's like neon green, so worse than I described to you previously. There you go. 
Look and behold at the majesty of the super helmet. That's not even a helmet at that point. That that's that's the alien thing from from aliens. That's a face hugger. Yeah. This is dumb. This is stupid. Like it's like it's not even the same toy line. It's just an, I have another toy. I'm just gonna smash it on top of this other robot. This is dumb. This is stupid. Oh, it makes no sense. It looks unfinished. This is ter- oh my god. <laughs> Uh, on that note, <laughs> yeah, this doesn't make any sense. I'm I'm really confused because, like, why is it all green? It's it it really does just look unfinished, and they just like here, just throw this into the package. Kids will figure it out. It's almost like, well, this other toy line had a ton of these. Why don't we just stick them on a transformer and say it's his super helmet? And then someone else was like, what if it attaches like his backpack? Uh, it fits on both, so might as well just say it's both. It's a super helmet, but it doesn't give them powers, right? It's just a helmet. Well, I don't know. Did you buy the toy and get the uh, <laughs> the BIOS that says what happens when he puts on the helmet? <laughs> I mean, maybe he summons a lightning that mind controls you when he shoots you with it. I don't know. Well, guess what? I think the Insecticons suck now. I don't want to talk about them no more. Are we done yeah, with yeah, the Insecticons do suck. <laughs> We're going to start with character spotlight Megatron. Who wants to do his quote and description? I'll read it. Okay. His character quote is peace through tyranny. Megatron combines brute strength, military cunning, ruthlessness, and terror. Aches to return to Cybertron to conquer after destroying all Autobots on Earth. Plans to possess all Earth resources. Incredibly powerful and intelligent. Fires nuclear charged fusion cannon can link up interdimensionally to a black hole and draw antimatter from it or for use as a weapon. No known weaknesses. <laughs> it says no known weaknesses, but yeah, his big weakness is he never listens to anybody, so that's also why his stuff usually fails. I like the description where it says it almost says that he could return to Cybertron anytime he wants but he'd rather stay here and destroy the Autobots first and like plunder Earth for its resources because they have their own space bridge. They could just leave and go back to Cybertron. But I think it's also not that good there. They need more energy to power Cybertron. So he's probably like, eh, I'm not going to go back to that dead planet yet. Not until I steal all the energy from this planet. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What do you think of his description to match the character from the cartoon uh yeah you basically pointed out the two things i I was like that raised an eyebrow for me because i'm like he definitely has weaknesses i would also say that his rivalry or urge to defeat optimus always kind of throws him off his game as well but yeah (laughs) why why would they need to why is he so concerned about having to beat the autobots first before he can deal with cybertron it is pretty funny. It just kind of feels like a character thing. Or he could just be like, they'll just follow us anyway. Might as well defeat them here at their last stand. I don't know. Just holding a grudge. Yeah. Weaknesses is disloyal crew and uh, <laughs> their desire for mutiny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You haven't even gotten to like, there's one much later in season two where all three of the triple changers get together to overthrow Megatron. Not Starscream, these three other characters who think they're better than him. (laughs) 
this is the fate of Megatron after the movie. So I'm just going to tell you what I think after watching decades of Transformers, what happened. Are you guys ready for this? Go right ahead. Let's see. <laughs> We're going to test you. Don't embarrass yourself, Sean. So Megatron in the movie gets converted by Unicron into Galvatron. And that's pretty much it for a while. I think he goes into... No, after the movie, Rodimus throws him through Unicron's eye and he falls all the way through space to Earth where he breaks up into a thousand pieces because of uh, Unicron's um, magic or whatever. And he becomes the Legion, which has tentacle tongues. And uh, somehow he, you know, exists possessing machines. Then eventually he reforms just in time for the third season where he's Galvatron again. I don't know. Don't ask. Nobody likes to talk about that dark time period in the Transformers history. Oh, my God. <laughs> that and story. Then, and then he's Galvatron. Then in the first Japanese cartoon, I know he blows up. And then you think he's dead so that Scorponok, Mega, uh, Black Zorak, no, Megazorak can be the new leader. But then Galvatron just shows up at the end near the last few episodes and not dead. And he wants to convert all of Cybertron into his own body to become the biggest transformer to even rival unicron and i don't think that goes very well for him and i think he crash lands into into antarctica where he freezes over and dies for a good at least he never shows up in the new japanese shows but then in the storybooks for this store the toys and everything uh, after the three animes have concluded in japan he awakens from Earth somehow in the Antarctic and becomes Super Megatron and turns back into Megatron for some reason. I don't I don't know why. I think somewhere along the way he finds like black balls and gets superpowers that are like Dragon Ball like things. Some point, I don't know if it's an alternate universe, he becomes a body part to become Mega Megatron and combines with four of his people. I don't know. Now I'm starting to lose it and I think that's all. <laughs> All right, I give you a B plus. <laughs> okay, thanks. You guys want to alternate between some fun Megatron facts? Sure. All right, Charlie, you can start. Before I start, is that Walther or Walter? <laughs> it's Walther. Walther, okay. Yeah. Let's see. Megatron's alt mode is based on a Walther P38. He was released in two versions in Japan as part of a Microman line as an accurate replica that matched the P-38 exactly without accessories, and one scene, the man from Uncle with accessories. Uh, let me reread that. <laughs> he has released in two versions in Japan as part of the microband line as an accurate replica that matched the P-30 exactly without accessories, and one scene in the man from Uncle with accessories. America got the uncle version it's never in the show but the original figure can hold its mounted arm cannon on a tripod and shoot it thomas the japanese version shot out really small plastic pieces that were not used in the u.s version oh man i like small pieces <laughs> i can't wait to go choke on them <laughs> i just put them in my mouth too yeah just eat them <laughs> all right you're not getting any toys the Walter P-38 was produced in 1939 through 1945 
by Nazi Germany. It's a nine millimeter semi-automatic pistol. Okay, for context, a complete inbox sealed figure of Megatron is around four hundred sixty dollars to four hundred ninety dollars, with the good open version around two hundred fifty dollars. A Walther P thirty eight is worth around twelve hundred dollars new, and around four hundred dollars to six hundred dollars used. And has tons of releases in his first few years, with slight variations. The most noticeable one is where his inner arms and legs are blue instead of red for a version released with Optimus in Japan. On 2014 and 2015, he had a Mega Drive, Sega Genesis, and Mega Drive Gold version. His nemesis, Optimus Prime, turned into a Sony PlayStation. In 2017, he has a version that transforms into a cell phone. And Sean actually wants the one from the 90s that transforms into neon purple tanks. <laughs> yes. Okay, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that there. I looked at because I don't usually I don't really like Megatron or want his characters, but the one where he turns into a neon tank, I'm like, oh my god. Because there's a neon dark purple tank and a neon like bright purple tank. And I'm like, oh god, these look awesome. Oh, that sounds sick. I want I want those. <laughs> Mega Drive transforming. Sega Genesis transforming. Those look pretty awesome. I like those. Yeah. What was that one earlier that we were seeing with the... Looks like he's holding a flashlight. I was just wondering if you could put any flashlight there and if you could put the one that burns things. <laughs> that's how the original figure looked. The gun was freaking huge. Oh, okay, so that's a gun. It's not a flashlight. No, it's the pellet gun that without <laughs> pe- well without pellets. <laughs> okay, because I'm like, it looks like it's something where a kid can screw a flashlight in there, like a standard mag light or something. <laughs> I would totally put the one that burns things in there. <laughs> yeah, apparently, right before Beast Wars, they were gonna do a whole Transformers line of the Transformers now as ordinary objects, and one was gonna be Megatron as a camcorder, and his gun was now the lens. And there's like a prototype of it, but they ended up going with Beast Wars and just abandoning that line instead. Oh, okay. Uh, Charlie, you're up. Okay. After the three Japanese cartoons, Galvatron becomes Super Megatron in the books that continue the fiction. This Super Megatron art was turned into a figure in 2014. The artist, Bon Megami, had designed the character to transform already in the art itself. An unused art piece indicates a triple changer was considered that would transform Megatron into Skywarp and a jet, indicating the first alt mode that was another Transformer character. Um, I'm not sure how that would have worked. Yeah, that's my own comment. Then a Megatron that turned into Galvatron into a hybrid gun of both their alt modes was proposed, but also rejected. In Mandarin, his name means Big Mega. Big <laughs> <Wow>. Mega. <laughs> While in... Uh, oh, that's supposed to be Taiwan. I don't know what happened there. Oh, Taiwan. <laughs> yeah, Taiwanese maybe, I think. Okay. In Taiwanese. Taiwanese, it's Colossus. Wow, that's very mega. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> in most countries... It's just simply Megatron. Actually, you wrote Megatrons. Okay, big, big Mega. Big Mega. I like that. <laughs> I can just see all the Chinese commercials where 
the announcers just saying big mega just introducing megatron (laughs) big mega and there's a funny story about his creation bob bodiansky said he combined megatron with electronic but hasbro thought the name sounded too much like nuclear bombs and didn't want to use it but then when bob said that he was the bad guy leader so it's supposed to sound evil hasbro then was just like oh okay and approved the name that sounds like the quickest persuasive speech ever. It's just, well, he's the bad guy. Oh, I get it now. Stamp Terrible. of approval. Sounds like some execs just cash and checks. They don't care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me work too hard. Whatever. Go ahead. Who wants to read this last one? Uh, much Transformers merchandise was based on action figure art and not the cartoon art. But Megatron's was based on an unused prototype version, which contained a black helmet and a different arm cannon. And we've seen this version in our last two storybooks. Thinking them errors based on either no data or just using the original box art or figure. This also led to Megatron looking like this in the comic books. Then, UK made Megatron gold instead of silver on his upper body and arms in their comics because of an error in coloring in their packaging art. That's the first Megatron picture in the Discord. If you see the first colored Megatron, that's the guy that we've been seeing in our a lot of our storybooks, wondering why he looks so different. What would happen today with the internet, or you would think, like you just, I mean, people could share the character art and it's always dead on, I would think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but just look at the gun and see how different it is from the fourth figure onto the the seventh figure where it's fully colored. I mean, I don't really like it. I mean, the first two iterations, it seems more like some kind of barrel, like a barrel fork, some kind of blaster. The last two, they just do look like a flashlight. It looks like there's pieces missing. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I would, I would flip it around and have the bigger opening on the front and the smaller opening in the back. That yeah. that's yeah. totally a flashlight <laughs> from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a flashlight. I mean, that that should have been just a flashlight holder. They could have made that part look like really like okay, this is where the, all the electronics is on this thing, and then you just screw in any flashlight you want, and it's a nightlight for kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, where's the rest of it? Because when he's in the gun mode, that part actually. It, it expands on both ends. It's not just narrow on the one end. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's funny because the only changes seem to be, well, other than the red coloring on his waist, like it's mainly just head helmet and gun changes that were changed after that. Right. But yeah, I kept looking at that dopey face and wondering where that face came from in the, uh, in the books when it definitely has much more personality in the finished product, as opposed to him looking more, kind of just generic in the in that first original prototype. So the last thing, if you see that helmet, this is yet to be released. There is a Megatron helmet picture that I've sent you guys. It features light-up eyes and says lines from the show and will be available April 2022 at GameStop exclusively for $109. Oh <laughs> this thing looks so silly. This looks so bad. But silly. Oh, the head. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, um, yeah. Do you know it's what lines it's, it's supposed to say, Sean? 
No, apparently it was supposed to come out the end of last year, but it got delayed. Every other line, I don't care if it's from a different series, every other line should just be him saying, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's either that or him screaming at Starscream. Yeah. Say, like, I that was exactly what was in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and the third line could be Big Mega. Uh, that looks more like some kind of like a uh, Incan thing or something. <laughs> like it looks like a like a totem or something. It's not really a, something about it doesn't exactly say Megatron. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think th- this this bad Photoshop isn't very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a real helmet oh, on God. someone's face. But as far as Megatron, the character goes, have you guys liked him in the old? show here because i've always thought he was just a stupid leader when i was a kid maybe not just because he's the bad guy that fails but he always just like as a kid i didn't really like him i i thought he was just stupid but then i didn't like starscream either i only liked Soundwave and shockwave and then when he turned into galvatron i was like uh galvatron's awesome they both have really hoarse really harsh squealy voices so you almost hate to hear them talking (laughs) Yeah, I don't get that he's, I wouldn't say he's dumb, but you really don't get to see him as portrayed as a good leader. I don't think he's a good leader in the way where like, you know, some of his Cybertronian backstory where he's like, I don't know, he just leads all the forces. Everybody looks up to him and think he's a very capable military leader. I don't really see a lot of that in the show. (laughs) He's always just yelling at his troops to shut up and do what he says even if it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like in this one, he's like, you better get it to work because I'm your leader and I won't accept failure. Or like Starscream is like, oh man, we shouldn't do this. And he's like, shut up. We're going to do it because I'm the leader. And I don't think, I don't think Soundwave ever questions him. He just does what he's told. <laughs> he's never like, but Megatron, this might happen. He just goes, nope. I just, just goes and does it. He's like the only one that never talks back or says something's going to happen. The shockwave question him. I feel like he, well, maybe he usually questions Starscream most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Starscream's always trying to get away with stuff while he's on Cybertron, I guess. But uh... just kind of comes off as just kind of a a jerk. Sometimes, and a bad guy can seem scary and powerful. You know, like oh boy, avoid this guy. But it's more like you just want to avoid interactions with him because he's just a douche. <laughs> He's not like a nice guy, <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he doesn't scare me at all. He's not a, um, he doesn't seem like a super villain. Reflector. The most famous Autobot, I mean, Decepticon of all time. <laughs> He's so famous. I couldn't even remember his faction. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I can't tell. If it's one or three characters, but apparently Reflector was supposed to be one figure, one character in the Japanese MicroMaster line. And then he was redesigned into three characters that could combine. He was designed by Shinji Aramaki, a famous anime mech designer. Then in early TV scripts, he was supposed to have the power to split into three different people sharing the same mind and voice. 
And apparently there's evidence that this happens in one episode in War of the Dinobots because all three of them collide into each other and form back into one body as an animation error from the original scripts that were never taken out. But then in the series Bible, it says he is now one character in name, Reflector, but it says he has three different robots in the descriptions, but one character. So that's his. That's how complicated he is. Oi. And then he never got a figure in 1984. It didn't get one until 1986, and that was only a mail-in offer. And even then, now he's been turned into three completely different characters called Spectra, Viewfinder, and Spyglass that turn into Reflector, quote, the camera. So he was the original combiner, you're saying? <laughs> I guess. The most useless combiner. So who wants to read his quote and description? I'll do it. So, Reflector's quote is, See and you can know, know and you can destroy. That might be the most accurate quote we've read so far. His description is, Loves to observe things, vegetation, architecture, earth and topography, and particularly comrades' mistakes. (laughs) Likes to blackmail his associates and is impressed with his own ability. Has highly developed infrared vision that can record images in darkness, through camouflage and at great distances. In camera mode, can emit powerful flash explosions that leaves enemy blind and disoriented for up to 15 seconds. I could already tell that he does none of that in the entire series. But I kind of wish he did the blackmailing thing. Yeah, is Earthen even a word? E-A-R-T-H-E-N, is that a real word? I'll take it. Well, it's not red underlined, it's green, so... Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is a real word. Okay, cool. Anyway, but yeah, so yeah, he doesn't blackmail. They, you never see him use his ability to like, like when they're on night missions or like from we space. We just forget that we have him. Yeah. Well, they usually use him as manual labor. They're always like, ah, take these cubes to the space bridge. And he's like, fine. He just becomes generic grunts at that point. And apparently there's like many of him. Whenever they need a generic Decepticon body, when it says... There are 30 Decepticons in the background. People just start drawing lots of reflectors. Probably because he's the easiest to draw. Probably. But he does use that flash explosion to blind people in one episode, I remember. I'm just trying to think of what, what Krillin's move is, because that's what it reminds me of. The stupid blinding uh, thing. Yeah. From Dragon Ball Z. What does he say? Yeah. I forget what he says. Right? All I'm thinking is, Senzuween! That's not it. He was last seen in the movie at Starscream's short-lived coronation, in which Starscream himself was also short-lived. And <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> Sorry. Let's skip that. I was trying to make a, a bad pun. I, I no... realize that. <laughs> I, I, I'm sad. Sad moment for Starscream. Uh, Reflector then vanished forever without reason and only appeared in Japanese stories that were prequels to the movie. In the series Bible, under Dendum, it says for Season 2 that 19 additional characters are introduced here, 15 Autobots and 5 Decepticons. Models shown are not in comparative scale, although Reflector should no longer be used as a character in the series, Jetfire will be redesigned and reintroduced in the near future. Then, under his Bible entry, it states in all caps before his name, TOY DISCONTINUED, DO NOT USE CHARACTER. (laughs) Somebody did not like Reflector. He's yeah. also the only toy to be referenced like this. 
That's kind of ridiculous. I know it is. It's like they were already drawing him into the series. So it's just like, what what happened? Because you don't see how the toy didn't arrive till 1986. And at that point, they changed so much stuff. It wasn't even... So I'm just like, what, what reflector happened? reflector just looked at them the wrong way. <laughs> they had, yeah. He had some blackmail on people. So fun facts about Reflector. In China, his name translates as simply camera. Uh, okay, so... Yeah, I can say that real quick. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure how true this is, but it seems to indicate that after season one, writers were forbidden to use him. And so anytime you you see Reflector in season two or three, it's just the animators who were used to drawing him, adding them in the background when they called for generic Decepticons. Wow. So he is the Transformer with the least amount of info on the TF Wiki page that we've done by far. Everyone usually has two pages, or if you're, say, you're Braun or Huffer, you get, like, a main page and a figure page. Reflector has one. Everything is just fits in one. It, apparently, after his 1986 figure, he wouldn't get another figure until 2014. And even then, he was in one figure with an Insecticon. And then he got a That's... Combiner Wars figure in 2016. Does he still turn into a camera? Of course not. He's a recolored shockwave, so he turns into a flying cannon. Right, that makes sense. And apparently you can mess around with it to uh, get him to look into like a Cybertronian camera. I don't really know. And then apparently in 2019, you can get just one of them that doesn't turn into anything called Refractor because I guess now he's got copyright problems involved with his name, even though he looks exactly like Reflector, like verbatim from the cartoon. But And hey, if you buy him three times, he actually does turn into a camera with all three of them. Huh. So buy the action figure three times, kids. I mean, adults, because it's 2019. Kid, adults, same thing. So in total, there are only seven figures of Reflector, and one of these, I'm counting, is just an unchanging camera that you get with a Megatron figure as, like, a bonus that he can pick up and put in his hand like an accessory. So from all of this, I just have one question. <laughs> okay, just one. Why didn't they just kill him off in the movie? Oh. <laughs> they forgot to. It seems to. like they just didn't like him, or they just were like... We don't want to use this character. We just, it just wasn't working out. And, but they just kind of let him just walk away. He didn't die. Well, he, they were, well, he vanished with, he was supposed to have vanished without a trace in season two. And by the time they're writing the movie, season two has not really, uh, happened too long yet. Or it's like in the middle, or development of season two in the movie are happening at the same time. I don't know. So they had the directive that basically said, do not involve him whatsoever, which means they probably couldn't even kill him, even just for fun. And that was just the animators doing it and like, you know, effing up the movie by accident. And now people are going to be like, but that's canon. He's not alive. He's not dead. He's alive out there. That's, but, that's really weird. I, uh... <laughs> any of you guys even take note of much of Reflector as we see him in these episodes? Because he shows up a lot in season one, like nearly every episode as background characters or the generic grunts. Even this episode, he's the guy reporting to Megatron the last half of the episode all the time. I still remember one of his forms going to the space bridge and not being able to come back. But then all three of them were back. <laughs> and then it cuts to Cybertron and that guy's still there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
because someone else had that scene to animate, and they didn't know what the other person was animating. Like yeah. you do. <laughs> Secret powers they weren't allowed to discuss. You know, what's funny is Reflector is actually one of the Decepticons I remember the most after the main, like, four or five. Just probably because as a kid, he he seemed to always be everywhere. And plus, the VHS tapes I had were episodes four through eight anyway. So he was in all of those, since those were the ones I watched all the time. And he talks a lot, too. He has a lot of screen time with his voice. So it's just weird. And nobody, like, uses him really either, even in the comics, I don't think, too often or at all. If they do, it's like a cameo, like, hey, they exist. Remember them? And then they leave scene. They don't have scenes where, like, his three forms are teaming up to fight against some of the Dinobots or them in his forms going against, like, uh, the Flyers. Just, like, I don't know, vying for power. There's no storyline about the two of them teaming up to take out the third one that turned coded to the Autobots <laughs> side. And he's like, what does that say about us since we're all the same person technically? And so, you know, they have an existential crisis and the whole episode is just philosophy. Doesn't I that mean, sound for exciting? For this show, no, that just... would have been a pretty interesting angle. <laughs> okay, so how do you think he should have died in the movie then? How would they have killed him? Because the Decepticons didn't really get killed in the movie on on scene they were all killed like off screen or optimus's blast is what did the men at least initially it seemed they should all be running in three separate directions trying to escape from devastation but they all three of them get shot in the back at the same time <laughs> <laughs> agreed any last thoughts on reflector before we sign off any uh special crushes on this awesome decepticon we're gonna forget about right after we stop recording his special power, some would call it Solar Flare. <laughs> That's what we couldn't remember the name of, uh, which isn't really Krillin's move. Tian Shan, he's the inventor of that, and they learned it from him. Wait, That's what was it. the move called? Solar Flare. So, thanks for listening to another exciting episode of SparkCast, and we are your hosts, Shantakan. I've used that before. Oh, God, I'm not original. Go ahead, Sammy. Say something cool to make up for my uncoolness. Sammy Tor. Ugh. <laughs> Look, I tried. No, I said, uh, because it was good and much better than mine, and I'm jealous. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and Just Thomas, what's what's your name? Just Thomas, just shaking my head. <laughs> just shaking my head. <laughs> so the character segment that we have for this time is we're going to go over Shockwave. Oh, yeah. Shockwave does not appear in this episode, but he's my favorite Transformer, which is why we're mentioning him next. His toy quote is clarity of thought before rashness of action. And his toy description is cold, brutal, scientific approach to war. Seeks to overthrow Megatron as leader of Decepticons because he believes logic says he would be better. As a laser gun can emit lethal beams of energy from anywhere on the electromagnetic spectrum. Gamma rays, x-rays, visible light, infrared rays, radio waves, etc. Flies in a laser gun or robot mode. High fuel use but can be powered by nuclear sources. He's often confounded by innovative emotional thinking. Uh, AI? Just, I just think his description is he's going to overthrow 
Megatron, just so, like Starscream, yeah, right? I, yeah, I didn't think that there were any other Decepticons that basically had those very same ambitions. Well, that's and that... I definitely never got that vibe from Shockwave. I always thought that Shockwave was definitely just as capable as Megatron, that he could be a leader, that he's just as powerful as Megatron. Well, here's here's the thing: is Shockwave was one of the few characters who his personality in the Marvel comics and the cartoon are completely different. Mm-hmm. It becomes from them not being able to establish the Bible and communicate effectively as to how the character was going to be. When I read, I told you I had this first comics growing up. In the comic I read, Megatron and Optimus are fighting with, and it looks like the battle's going south for the Autobots when Soundwave, Shockwave just shows up out of nowhere, defeats everybody with a blast, and takes over as leader of the Decepticons next episode. And I'm like, holy, like, who is this guy? (laughs) And like, he just, in the next episode, he's just like commanding leadership. And it takes Megatron like two episodes, two issues, I think, to team up with Ratchet to overthrow him. (laughs) And because, because he's literally captured all the Autobots but Ratchet, therefore proving his superiority to Megatron because he took them all over. And these are the comics, by the way, not the cartoon. But in the cartoon, he's completely loyal. So yeah, the production schedule didn't give them enough time to fully transition, fully find that information out there before they actually made it for all the uh, versions. The cartoon, Shockwave's like completely loyal to him, just like Soundwave. Going to the fact of calling Megatron on the phone every day for four million years. Yeah, so, yeah. He's I, like, I'm bored. I think I'll call Megatron again and see if he's still alive. Yeah, I never, just being around Transformers, I never really got the vibe that he would be one to want to overthrow Megatron. It just seemed he was just another capable person that just was on the level of Megatron but he just followed orders he was just kind of happy doing his own thing but yeah it was some of the things that I've seen like parody videos of Shockwave is seeing him hang out in this little base <laughs> guarding this portal the whole time yeah. which yeah, in the, the cartoon, thing is the first he was a P appeared in the first episode yeah and Megatron and the first said episode, stay behind take exactly over. so the whole time no, no, make this clear. The whole time actually was four million years. Yes. Sound, Shockwave hasn't heard from these guys in four million years. This whole time, he was maybe, maybe, and after one million years, he shuts himself down. <laughs> <laughs> and he checks in every one million years, but four million years that he was just hanging out, yeah, like he'll on this sh- whole planet by himself, like he'll sh- was, so. And Megatron basically told told him like, "I'm leaving you in charge to run Cybertron." So, so I did have questions like, "Is it?" I, he left him in charge to run Cybertron. I, I assume all the Transformers that were alive left. So what yeah, there's he, no one on Cybertron so, but him. Yeah, so was he just? And, or as you'll find out in the future, there's also an underground wave of female Autobots that are forming a resistance in future episodes. No, he never worried about that. Or maybe that's why he was able to survive just fine for the four million years. He was hanging out with all those those female Transformers. No, they, <laughs> but, uh, so I want to go over to the description of Shockwave because there's some interesting facts about him. His original name was Astro Magnum, for the, but he also had the name Flashbeam and Sparkman in the scripts before they turned it to Shockwave. Sound like Mega Man Robot Masters. <laughs> and originally his action figure was gray and they changed it to purple for the cartoons and the comics and for the toy releases. And what's weird is that some versions of him in the gray form were actually sold in Radio Shack before the cartoon it's just so weird and it wasn't part of the Transformers line and I can't even imagine if that's worth like probably worth a lot of money I'm I would sure, think by yeah, now probably. and uh, also his trigger was of course where the male private area is 
So when it came over to America, they had to re-put where it was. Oh, the, the actual figure. Yeah, yeah, I think that happened with Megatron as well. So also, despite being in the series from the beginning, he wasn't available in the original action figure line of season one characters. He states he was the first released figure of the second season because I guess they really knew that people wanted him from watching him in the first episode. I guess a lot of people were like, yeah, I want to be on guard duty. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. But no, but seriously though, well, the funny the funny thing about him is he's the only non-Takara figure to appear in the first season. Every single Transformer that shows up in the cartoon is a Takara figure from Japan, whereas Shockwave was not. He was not from them, so I don't know how why they bothered to incorporate another character from somewhere else. He was actually from a South Korean company called Toyko, and it seems like he was the only figure that this company ever made. Not a lot of people can find information about this. I just think it's weird that they're like, well, we're going to use your staple of hundreds of characters, but instead we're going to choose like 17 and then one over here from this this random company because it looks cool. So I just think that's really weird because then he became an actual Transformer and now Takara actually owns the rights to him and to redo him and all this stuff. I just think that's... That is kind of weird. I, maybe they were doing a favor to a friend or something. His, his company was struggling. They, they wanted to get this, like, this was his dream to have this... Uh, this uh, shockwave transformer well not transformer but figure or maybe succeed but it just wasn't making it and transformers came along and his buddy decided to give him life give him a lifeline <laughs> I just think it, I just think it's funny because it's like that's why he looks so different from the others why he has that eye and the, and the handgun with like and, the like the cable that connects to the gun yeah and he also carries a gun that looks exactly like him in gun form yeah I didn't really think it. he definitely looks oh, completely different than in design just yeah. like the, the formula that they use to make transformers he, and that's because and he that's was why, from. That's yeah. why he is one of my favorite Transformers. It's just he just has a different look. Yeah, I just I really liked him from the comics because it looked he would take over the Autobots, and he did in the comics if he if he was in charge instead of Megatron. And and the only reason he fails is because Megatron teams up with an Autobot to take him out. Mm-hmm. But in the cartoons, he's completely loyal. But even then, in the cartoons, I thought he was cool because he didn't show up much. And when he did, it was to be like the the scientist and all that. And even the creator of it said he tried to incorporate Spock's personality into Shockwave when they originally made him yeah that's weird i don't know how would that even work (laughs) yeah and so okay the weirdest part trivia for shockwave is the voice actor for shockwave based his character on david warner's sark from tron that's how he tried to make him sound because tron had just come out two years prior yeah so he tried to make him sound like sark from tron well come many years later tron appears in kingdom hearts 2 who did they get to voice sark in kingdom hearts 2 not the original sark from tron but the guy who voiced shockwave that based <laughs> his voice on stark that's crazy that is the weirdest fact that i've learned on Transformers. I mean, but so yeah far. that would be the best guy to get if they're all just trying to like emulate well not all trying to emulate but one guy is the voice so the other one is trying to has been trying to emulate it for years <laughs> that was just so weird and also apparently according to the tf wiki site shockwave has the mo- the highest quality knockoff toys because i guess everyone cares about him so much <laughs> that's weird uh yeah I, I don't know why that would be especially above starscream of course <laughs> what was his fate after the movie he's never seen again not in any of the manga, not in any of the Japanese Transformers was series. Was he in the movie? What happened with him in the movie? Uh, he shows up in the movie near the beginning and then just vanishes completely. So what happens is there is a comic book adaptation that came out for the 20th anniversary of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, or 25th, and they actually incorporated deleted scenes from the script. And so there's actually a scene where he dies. He actually tries to fight Unicron 
with some other Decepticons, and he gets squashed by his hand from his tower. Oh, okay. So, so I, I assume he probably, I guess, according to that comic book, he got killed off much earlier. Yeah. Well, this well, this is near the end when Unicron's fighting Cybertron. Oh. So he gets killed initially trying to defeat him. But again, uh, this was in the original script. However, if it's not shown in the original cartoon, it, you can't consider it canon. I would assume, based on the information, you have to just assume he died, even without that information, since he never shows up ever. But, uh, well, you know. Yeah, it's just kind of sad. He just gets taken out in the movie, and he doesn't I mean, get to it, become it, a ghost. It's not surprising, you know, when you get up in age, you know, four million years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was just, uh, that was disappointing to learn that he really died for good and never got resurrected in any way or anything like that. But yeah, so any final thoughts on Shockwave, best Transformer? No, I don't really have anything more to add to that, no. So Thomas, do you want to take us through our second character? I suppose. <laughs> he's no blue jet. I mean, he's just purple. Skywarp. His quote is, strike when the enemy isn't looking. <laughs> I like that. It seems like something something Starscream would approve of. His description, Skywarp is the sneakiest of all Decepticons. Enjoys playing cruel pranks on fellow Decepticons and appearing out of nowhere to attack Autobot. Not too smart. Would be useless without Megatron's supervision. He has a top speed of 1,500 miles per hour and can instantly teleport up to two and a half miles. What? What? Yep. That would be pretty useful. Instead of jumping into top of volcanoes and sneaking around in random rooms, that yeah, they could have used him. I mean, maybe he could have sabotaged Teletran One instead of going on all these loops, jumping through all these hoops. To all right, carrying on. He carries heat-seeking missiles and variable caliber machine gun. His fate after the movie. He was badly damaged during the battle for Autobot City and was tossed out of. Astro train because they needed to have less weight to make the trip home. Depending on anyone's interpretation, because there is no official canon, he was either upgraded to Cyclonus, parts of him and other Decepticons were made into Cyclonus, or he was made into one of Scourge's sweeps. That's a that's a weird term for me to say, not knowing anything about. Yeah, well, you've seen the movie, right? I've seen the movie, but I don't. Who there's oh, so, version the movie? Is there Cyclonus was the guy I got the art from and got the voice actor to sign when we were at that. Oh, I know oh, okay. Cyclonus. I don't know who Scourge okay. is, and I don't know his sweeps. Is he? Does he join a duop <laughs> band or something? And just has you know back. He just fingers? has mindless yes. drones that he can summon that fly around and follow him. All right. Before his fate in the movie, he was given an alternate sports car mode that could travel between dimensions. God. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, was this used in the cartoon? I know. It was uh, one of the the, the, uh, the short stories included with the toys. Oh, okay. Fun facts about Skywarp. Skywarp is the first Transformer to get in Earth vehicle mode. Skywarp is not an original Diaclone toy. He was made the colors he was in the show, and the Starscream toys were recorded based on the cartoon. In Portugal, his name means Celestial Spy, whereas of the Mandarin translations can be interpreted as extreme ruckus. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. In one minifigure toy line, The Loyal Subjects in 2014, Thundercracker, Sunstorm, and three Cybertronian Seekers were all copies of Starscream's mold, but Skywarp was the only one with his own original design. He only had one chance to get him out of every 96 blind boxes. That's, That's ridiculous. 
<laughs> and the are. loyal subjects are like not that great of figures. That's it for Skywarp. Next is my theory about why I believe that Skywarp is not Cyclonus. Okay. Because I remember I've always thought that it was uh, Bombshell, the Insecticon. And because in both Cyclonus and Scourge's cases, there's a big character front and center. In Scourge's case, there's three Decepticons becoming Scourge, and Thundercracker is two to two and a half times the size of the other people behind him that turn into a Scourge, making him the focal point or the main one. And when Cyclonus is created, Bombshell is shown gigantic front and center, and Skywarp is in the background. And so I don't understand why people think that Skywarp is the guy that became Cyclonus. I think it's just because they want the duo of Thundercracker Skywarp to have been that. I mean, yes. <laughs> but the reason there was a second Cyclonus is because he was originally supposed to have his own armada, like Scourge, but it appears his armada was written out of the script, but it's still in the original comic book adaptation, which would have been based on the original draft. But of course, some hiccups still remained when they actually made the movie, which is why there was a second Cyclonus in the background and why they said Cyclonus in his armada uh, verbally. But the other thing that makes it clear is the thing that was Skywarp, they cut to Galvatron and back to the exact same scene where the two Cyclonuses have been transformed, and that second Skywarp Cyclonus in the background is now a sweep, a Scourge sweep. So that is why I've always thought that Bombshell was Cyclonus. You rush your case? <laughs> Yes. Well, no. I also have further proof, even though I usually like to only use what is created to make theories. In the original storyboards for the movie, only Bombshell was on the storyboard, and it was labeled Bombshell Insecticon. There was no Skywarp written. There was no Skywarp on the art. Somehow he just made it there by one of the artists. Do you have something against the Seekers? No, I'm just... Uh, Pretty sure you do. I I always thought it was weird that his two <laughs> minions were like, well, we're going to take one of the Starscream lookalikes and one of the, the Insecticons, and boom, there are two members now for season three. Like, two completely different people. But I guess it varies. I don't know. When you watched the movie, Sammy, what did you originally think when you saw it? Did you just think it was Skywarp or Do you mean like or, two months um... ago when it was in theaters? <laughs> oh, I mean the, I mean the cartoon. Oh. Wait, whenever you watched it the first time. Oh, the first time I wasn't paying attention. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> like things were happening and I was just like, oh my God, this is the best movie ever. And like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I guess in the end, my theory doesn't matter because there is now one official Your theory story. theory matters to you and that's, that, that's okay. Yeah. So there was a series of short stories that were included with figures where... Scourge turns back into Thundercracker, and Cyclonus turns back into Skywarp, even getting his teleport ability temporarily. And so that is the only canon now that has ever come out. And this was 2010, by the way, when these figure stories came out. I guess supposedly has now proven, quote unquote, that he is Skywarp and not Bombshell, or a mesh heap of Frankenstein parts and brains. <laughs> <laughs> so everything I have ever believed is wrong. Everything <laughs> so, you know is wrong. So I haven't seen a toy version of Librarian Optimus. Are you saying that that's not true? I, I have to stop believing in that. 
<laughs> no, that that's in a few of the the ones now. But yeah, but no, I guess it depends. You could of course be all hippie about it and be like, well, that was just the Japanese continuity. That's not the American continuity. So I don't consider well, that. I canon. was with snap, Sean snap. until that last bit where they just kind of were like, all right, we're just gonna settle it. But yeah, I mean, from what you were saying, I mean, it sounded like that was the case. I mean, it, it was bombshell. I think they just, like a lot of things, just mixed it up and got things wrong throughout production, and they just kind of just mm-hmm. kept going with it, even though that's not how it was supposed to be. Seems like, I don't know, they just were going to just like, all right, we're going to correct this. This is going to be what it is. <laughs> yeah, and apparently nobody wanted to answer when people asked him questions about it either, like the original creators or season three writers. They just avoided the question. They never wanted to answer it about Scourge or Cyclonus to them, and they were just brand new characters. But the last fun fact, despite everyone dying in that movie, Thundercracker, Skywarp, and all three Instecticons all show up later in the movie fighting <laughs> against Unicron. It's uh, fine, they had clones. Because of animation errors, which you think they would have learned by now after, you know, so many episodes of the cartoon series. Look, for everything in that movie, is gorgeous movie, they're allowed to have some mistakes. Any other uh, last thoughts, uh, everyone, on Thundercracker and Skywarp? Anything that stands out? Do you like either of them? Like their f- cool design figures? Well, their personalities in the cartoons? I like Thunderbird. So, yeah, I kind of like the way they look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. But yeah, mm-hmm. I do think I like the Flyers. I like all three of them. Wait, didn't. Did, did, did Skywarp or mm-hmm. the, the, the Seekers are also in Transformers Animated? Don't think we said that. I just oh, that's wanted right. to point that out. Yes, but they're technically not them. They're Starscream's clones. I'm, they're still very clearly Thundercracker and Skywarp, <laughs> and I'm going with that. And they're Slipstream and okay. Sunstorm. And Thrust and whatever the guy's other guy's name is. I forgot what the white one was. The Coneheads, anyways. Coneheads. No, that's when you get to Season 2 with Dirge and Thrust. Yeah, there we go. Dirge! Coneheads. Dirge is the other one. They were tired of making too many Starscream clones, so they were like, "Here now, here's another clone series of jets." I was gonna say that also there's the Rainmakers as well. Yes, that's <laughs> I did not know what that meant, and and uh, because I just I didn't realize the Rainmakers are the three Cybertronian Seekers. I, I is yeah. it, are they named Rainmakers just because of that one episode where they create the rain on Cybertron? Well, also all their names are related to rain. But I, right now I can only remember Acid Storm. But the other two they are have also... real names. Yeah, I thought they were just generic Wait. background characters. No, they actually have real names because they also made these toys out of them. <laughs> because the of 80s, course they did. Were... I want to say in the eighties because I own Acid Storm, or maybe like nineties. Hmm. I'm trying to look up their names and I'm like. <laughs> phone is so slow just type in starscream clones so they were in g1 stuff or in the- uh they weren't in the movie they were just in some episodes sorry acid storm ion storm and nova storm if they're called the rainmakers why aren't they called the stormies because that sounds stupid <laughs> this is why i don't work in marketing Rainmakers at least sounds like somewhat threatening when you're like, oh yeah, the Stormies are coming. Like, <laughs> uh, on that note. On that note. Uh... <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to go take some marketing classes, and I'll come back with some better ways to market these unknown characters. Please do. I I'm interested in hearing what other names you can think of. And this time, if you have listened to the first three episodes, at the end of every episode, we give a brief description of a Transformer from the first season, along with their original toy quote and description, along with their fate after the original Transformers movie. And today we're just going to take a look at Soundwave and all his cassettes. One of the interesting things about Soundwave is his original name was actually Cassette Man. Are you serious? Yes. He was a Mega Man boss. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it actually, Cassette Man. It actually wrote it on the side, but I guess that wouldn't sound intimidating as an evil <laughs> communications officer. Oh no, watch out, oh, for, no, Cassette watch out for Cassette Man. He's gonna throw some <laughs> rad tunes at us. Oh my god. Well, can you imagine like CD Player Man? <laughs> or uh, watch out for 8-Track Man. Beta Man. <laughs> But then Beta Man could also be a fish. <laughs> yeah. Be maybe that's fish. why maybe that's why they had to over kinda of overcompensate with him with him having just such a unique voice compared to everybody else. Well, if you don't know, Transformers, the brief description of Soundwave is he always has that giant square on his chest. He's always blue and is the communications officer, and he can shoot out mini Transformers from his chest. And uh, they tend to follow him no matter what for some reason. But the thing I thought was the most interesting that his two guns actually transforms into batteries. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, it's for his disguise, so that then when they find him, they think, oh, it's just a cassette, and here's the batteries. Oh, wow, I never noticed that. What yeah, maybe I haven't seen that in an episode batteries, though. What, sorry, that? what if they just sorry, took out the batteries? Out Somebody finds the cassette tape, they just take out the batteries, and, like, they just have a pair of arms? Yeah, they just look, it's like, oh, here's a battery, I can use this for my own stuff, and they just take his guns or whatever. Later, something explodes, and they have no idea why. Like, I feel like that's but, a poor uh, design choice sound. What I found interesting about Soundwave is that it was Frank Welker doing the voice, and but he just voiced Doctor Claw because he knew they would they would edit it later with modulations, right? And so that's that's his voice. The other interesting thing is he came with a microphone and headphones, which we did not get here. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, were they functional? Or? No, not at all. No, okay, so they they're were toys. mini toys. Yeah, okay, toys. All right. Can you imagine? I was how, like, what? I see it. Buy Soundwave, in. the one hundred and eighty dollar toy of this season. <laughs> I mean, that's what masterpieces are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I we we just went to our first Transformers convention and saw all those figures in the wall, and I'm like, these are so expensive. Soundway was created by Shinji Aramaki. He directed Megazone 23 and the 2000 Appleseed animes. But he was also designer for characters on Mask and New Adventures of He-Man are the most famous ones. But he also created a lot of the mech designs for Bubblegum Crisis and Genesis Climber and somehow a lot of Digimon from Digimon Tamers. I don't know how that yeah. is applicable to mechs unless they hired him for like mach- some machine-like yeah, character. Yeah, there's like robot Digimon. Yeah, the most, uh, the thing that I thought was just really ridiculous about Soundwave was the business, how they ran Soundwave in the cartoon, is they wanted not to feature Buzzsaw, the cassette tape that comes from Soundwave, in the show very much, because Buzzsaw already came included with Soundwave. They wanted the kids to watch the new ones that they didn't have, so then they would have to go out and buy the other ones. I was like, I... Makes sense. Yeah. Gotta sell toys. It sounds kind of shady, but then again, all of Transformers is to sell toys. (laughs) So I don't know how I can, you know... Single out Soundwave for that whenever the whole show is that. Yeah. So do any of you guys have any thoughts about Soundwave? Like, do you guys like him, hate him, just don't even care about him? Uh, I, um... Go ahead, Sam. Sorry, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, 
Yeah, I uh, I actually, after Scar- Starscream, Soundwave is probably, yeah, he's definitely probably my second favorite Transformer. Just because he is, to me, he is pretty unique. I like, I really like his color scheme and design with just the big gun on his shoulder. But then his voice thing is just, I mean, he just has a lot of features that are just so unique. Like, the voice is cool. And then on top of that, obviously, are the cassettes. We're like, all of those things. I like his little, I, I, I definitely like Ravage, like, I really like Panthers and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, he just has so much going on. Mm-hmm. So, Sammy, your thoughts? Yeah, um, he's not my he's not my number two, but I do enjoy him. And he's one of the only other characters that I enjoy him throughout the iterations of all the Transformers things. Like, they mm-hmm. just, they keep his character solid. Of course, I love his design. And, like, he's voiced by Frank Welker. So, like, how can you not love him? But he's not my favorite. Yeah, okay. I, I guess another thing I would say about Soundwave is... I guess this character archetype has been used in other Transformer shows. I guess everybody knows that I've really only watched Beast Wars. Scorponok is kind of like a similar thing, where here's a, a somewhat like second in command that is really loyal to Megatron and just everything he does. He he always defends Megatron, the leader, and all that stuff like that. The thing is, Scorponok was never... He just always just seemed boring. There was nothing special about him. He's just like... Well, you haven't seen the original Scorponok, who will eventually show up in the Japanese Headmaster show, and he actually becomes the leader of the Decepticons for quite a while. (laughs) What? Yes. (laughs) He was not ever a minion. He was the leader of the evil Headmasters. Yeah, so that's probably why they ended up just killing off Scorponok when Beast uh, Beast Wars (laughs) Season 2 came out. Inferno, the ant transformer in Beast Wars, he seemed like a better version of blind loyalty to Megatron, second-in-command kind of thing. So, Thomas, read for us the original toy quote for Soundwave's personality. Cries and screams are music to my ears. That's his toy quote. His description. It is said Soundwave can hear a fly sneeze. Uses anything he hears for blackmail to advance his status. Opportunist. Despised by all other Decepticons. Sensors can detect the lowest energy radio transmissions. Able to read minds by monitoring electrical brain pulses. Acts as a radio link for others. Locates and identifies Autobots, then informs Decepticons. Um, that's pretty basic. <laughs> Carries a concussion gun, bla- a concussion blaster gun. Often target of retaliation by his comrades. <laughs> it seems I'm sorry, like able to read minds. Yeah, that's what it says. Able to read minds by monitoring electrical brain impulses. I think they have Just to be. When did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> ever. I think maybe the Autobots have to be captured. I think they might have written that into an episode later. I'm I'm not sure. Like, does he? Do they have to be hooked up to a machine? Maybe. I'm... Or maybe he has like wires come from him that you hook up a Autobot and then he can read them physically. Maybe it happened in the comics and not the actual cartoon because. There's a lot of things where things were taken verbatim and used in the comics, but not the TV show and vice versa. I also like in his description the line that he says that he locates and identifies Autobots and then lets his team know. Like that's that. This like, is good. something that's unique to Soundwave. They, every all everybody else, they see it. I Autobot. mean, it's like well, whatever. Our I mean, whole Starscream point is not to that. fight them. <laughs> Starscream you... doesn't do that. He's just like, oh hey, there's an Autobot. Let's go kill it. I'm not gonna tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. And I never, I've watched the entire G1 series, but I never get the. I, it never comes across that he wants to be in favor with Megatron and be his second in command forever or third command forever, simply because it never comes across that way in the comics. 
it's always just seems like he's completely loyal and unwavering. Yeah, of the little I've seen, I don't recall him ever trying to blackmail people or screw people over just so he can be in charge or anything like that. I mean, that's more like a Starscream kind of thing to me. So, any other final thoughts or on to Rumble and Frenzy? Uh, I guess we can move on from him. The next characters are two cassettes that shoot up out of... Um, Soundwave's Sound chest. chest, and they apparently just chill there whenever they're not fighting the Autobots. Rumble is a cassette that transforms, well, he's human size, and he has pile drivers on his arms that can create earthquakes from the pilot. And he also has someone that looks exactly like him named Frenzy. The only problem is, Rumble is purple in the cartoon, but his toy is actually red and black, whereas Frenzy is red and black in the show, but his toy was blue and purple. So yeah, the, that's a weird swap. Like, I, I, I that ha- this, to me that just sounds like that has to have been a, a mistake, miscommunication, yeah. or something. Well, see, the thing is, it's accurate in all the children's books and in the comic books. So it's the, only the cartoon that got it wrong, and even the Japanese version just swapped their names because they knew it was an error. Well, what, the trans the cartoon came first, right? Before all the toys. And the toys were already made. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, and Frenzy, I don't remember him at all. I think they use Rumble most of the time. They only use Frenzy when they need another guy to get like attack people. But uh, yeah, so Sammy, want to read us Rumble's description and toy quote? His quote: "Destroy what's below, and what's above will follow." <laughs> His description: Rumble is your basic street punk, small but always acting tough, quick temper and mean disposition. Follows Megatron's orders eagerly. Transmits immense low-frequency ground waves to create powerful earthquakes. His small size limits his physical strength, but his ability to shatter the ground makes him difficult to approach in a fight. <laughs> yeah, that one actually sounds kind of accurate to the show. I don't see anything that's out of place there. I mean, I, I would dispute him creating earthquakes through low-frequency rumbles and stuff. I mean, in the cartoon, he he is literally just beating the ground. It's like, where but, is I mean, like, it's... where's the the shock waves or the beat, the energy waves? Mm-hmm. He's rumbling, doodle rumble, shaking at the right frequency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, so let's see, let's see if his clone has a similar personality. His quote is. So panic and surrender will bloom. Yet his description is, if Frenzy needs to breathe, war would be his oxygen. He knows no cause, only craves to spread fear and destruction. His efforts are appreciated by other Decepticons. That's nice to know. (laughs) His devotion to warfare makes him hard to deal with on a personal level. Can roll his drums to produce high-pitched grating sounds of 200 decibels. Disorients and disrupts electrical flow in opponent's circuitry, which makes them malfunction. Physically weak. His manic attack can be countered with cool logic. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, yeah, that's right. I think he does summon some kind of, like, circle lines at people that's supposed to disrupt them in the show later. Okay. I'm just laughing that his, his manic attack can be countered with cool logic. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh. A guy uh, just coming difference. flailing at you. You're just like, meh, I'll just yeah. step to the side. <laughs> so any, do any of you guys actually remember uh, or like Rumble and Frenzy? Uh, I barely remember any of the tapes. I don't know who Frenzy is. Ravage. I don't think I, his, was he in the first three episodes? Yeah, he's the purple guy that shoved the human out of the way. Oh, that, yeah, right. But I refer to him as Rumble because that, yeah, so they, but they, the show got it wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess I haven't seen Rumble just yet. One thing I'm going to mention is, I've, uh, I forgot with Soundwave, is... What was Soundwave's fate after the movie? Well, Soundwave survived the movie and would go on to be loyal to Galvatron just as he was to Megatron. Because, you know, Galvatron was Megatron. In the Japanese Headmasters, 
Soundwave was almost killed, but was later revived as Soundblaster and continued to fight for the Decepticons. When Galvatron died, he followed Scorponok. He got hit by a black hole and became human-sized for some adventures, but then later changed his body back into his original form. For some reason, Blaster, his, I guess, rival because they have similar powers, decided to quit being an Autobot and pursue an art career. So So Soundwave decided to drop out and become a musician to try to compete with Blaster in the creative industry. And yes, this is a Japanese manga. Thanks for asking. Oh my god, that's... uh, I want this. (laughs) Later, he followed Megatron, who was totally not Galvatron, but was revived as another Megatron, and followed him. So, the end. (laughs) Transformers continuity. (laughs) What? Uh. They live for centuries and thousands of millions of years... He can have a brief stunt in music <laughs> career. <laughs> stunt. It's fine. Follow his dreams. Are there any episodes of the original series where any Autobot or Decepticons just like screw this war? I'm gonna quit. You know, like I don't. I want to get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> that is an episode where one of them becomes a Hollywood actor, but he doesn't actually quit being an Autobot. So. Like, how do you just quit? <laughs> well, you quit and become a bounty hunter who works for both sides. Well, yeah, that that's true. Rumbles and Frenzy's fate after the movie aren't really significant. They just follow Galvatron and Soundwave in Season 3 and in Headmasters, and that's it. Nothing else happens to them. There's a lot of just following around people. <laughs> so the next is Laserbeak and Buzzsaw. They, Laserbeak is the bird transformer that's the size of a human, except in animation errors where he's twice the size of a human or other animation errors. <laughs> His original name was to be Slazer before he was turned to Laserbeak. Slazer. Slazer sounds so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm glad they went with Laserbeak. <laughs> okay, his quote is, The only point I like in Autobots, melting point. His description, Laserbeak takes pleasure in hunting his prey usually the straggling survivors of a battle, noticeably not brave, will run for safety if threatened, flies at speeds up to 250 miles per hour, uses two independently targetable laser cannons with extreme precision to get information from captives, shortage of ruby crystals that powers the lasers can panic his systems into shutting down. That's weird. <laughs> I didn't know about the crystals. What, what crystals? It's like stuff they write, and then they never find a way to actually incorporate it into the plots in any way. Yeah, that's the yeah, thing really. I'm noticing with these descriptions. They're supposedly, they're supposedly having like powers and stuff that well, it sounds pretty useful. If you use it in the show, I feel like battles would just end well, right there. Well, like Megatron is supposed to have a mini black hole inside his chest. Yeah, to the description. one side has a black what? hole. That seems like a pretty good way to yeah, thrust you yourself were... to victory. Did you read the comics where he actually used that power when he was captured? I don't remember that at all. It's, it's like people remembered what the toy description was and remember he had this power. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. That's kind of crazy. And it was the air in the, the newer comics when he was captured and Bumblebee was talking to him a lot, like after after the All Hail Megatron and all that other stuff. It kind of reminds no, me of just No, I don't think I read like, that one. Okay. Just like regular comic book. I don't know. Here's just a generic superhero that... We've always known to just do this certain things with his powers, but then they want to write the character and give him a power boost, so they start using the powers in like extreme ways that are they make sense, but they were never like that before. Like Iceman, he was always just a guy who shot ice and could freeze stuff, but then 
he became one of the most powerful mutants with just the way he could control his powers and just do molecular level stuff. It's just like, wow, out of nowhere. But I guess he could technically do that all along if he wanted to. <laughs> if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, if I wanted to. Sammy, you want to read Buzzsaw's quote and description? Yeah. My bite is worse than my bark. Civil and sophisticated, yet very cruel and destructive. Approaches his lethal tasks with like a fine artist. <laughs> The artistry of uh, murder. What? <laughs> All right. Each deadly mission is like working on a new masterpiece. Can pinpoint and photograph a thumbtack from 20 miles away. Flies at 250 miles per hour. Carries twin mortar cannons. Diamond hard micro serrated beak can carve up almost any opponent. Due to large ego, will often sulk rather than proceed if his plans go astray. Oh, the little birdie didn't make his target. Do you need to be pet? <laughs> little birdie. Apparently, this is a needy bird. <laughs> Yeah, a needy bird that likes to make art out of his victims. <laughs> so, what? Well, I'm that's staring another... at this confused. Yeah, for some reason, in one of the other descriptions that I read, it said he actually likes to make art out of the corpses of his victims. I don't know if that's just another oh. version or because that's definitely not in this version. Anyway, I don't even remember Buzzsaw because if you have Laserbeak, you don't need Buzzsaw. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had to look and see like what is Buzzsaw, and he's just a bird. Why do they have two birds? <laughs> Because it's another figure you can buy. Why not? Yay! All you have to do is recolor it. Bam! Instant money. <laughs> For profit. <laughs> so their fates after the movie, they were both in Headmasters. For some reason, Buzzsaw could actually talk in Headmasters, whereas Laserbeak could not. Laserbeak was eventually transformed into a mini tank, which is apparently perfect for spying on people. And yes, that was another manga change. Before Beast Wars, he was granted amnesty and rebuilt into a humanoid just like Ravage during Beast Wars. He had made a toy called Laserbeak with a Z in it in the Beast Wars toy line that wasn't actually incorporated into the show itself. And since it copied Laserbeak's original quote from G1, many people think that that's actually him during Beast Wars, even though he never shows up in the cartoon. Ravage, the, the best cat. Unless, anyone other thoughts on Laserbeak? Right. Yeah, we, we're, we're on to Ravage now. Like, he's, he's best cat. You already forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I already forget. I didn't even mention, ask about him. So I, I like how, apparently, I don't understand this at all, Okay, Ravage, in the Japanese comics, they say he was actually an Autobot Imperial Guard. And then he also has a son somehow. I didn't think Autobots, what? Decepticons could have children. I didn't even bother to look at that because I didn't want to read like 80 minutes of backstory. So I just skipped that over. But apparently his name was supposed to be Stalker before it became Ravage. Mm, yeah, that would have been fine. Yeah, and, uh, uh, Ra Ravage is much better than Stalker. It's yeah. a much better name, yeah. The weirdest thing about Ravage is their trademark for Ravage couldn't be used during Beast Wars, which is why he was called Shadow Panther at first. But then they were like, well, wait, that was already copyrighted. So they just called him a Tri-Predicus agent. <laughs> and when the Energon cartoon came out, they called him Battle Ravage. They thought they had the rights to Ravage, but they weren't quite sure. So they just tacked another word onto him. I don't think that's quite how copyright works. <laughs> you know, but okay. Tell, tell the major corporation that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, any thoughts on Ravage, Sammy? Um, I, I, like, all right, I already love cats, so he's already cool, but the comics, actually, the new ones, have made me really, really like him, and the things that happen in issue 50 around of More Than Meets the Eye makes me cry, okay. so is this not after, to spoil. Is this after, I haven't read Beyond Combiner Wars. Um, it is before Combiner Wars, is oh, it? Okay. No. No, 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 it's a little bit afterwards. Oh, okay. I don't even remember Ravage being present during 
any of these comics. Oh, he comes back. Oh, he, he must comes be... back and he's looking for Megatron. Oh, he's going to be disappointed when he finds out Megatron is, you know, not evil anymore. He's very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not really a spoiler. Like, that happens like, <laughs> right in the beginning. But, but anyways, yeah, Ravage is good, good kitty cat. Ravage is today's Autobots or tomorrow's scrap metal. This is really weird because both his quote and Soundwave quote are in the children's book that I read as a kid. The same quote? The exact same quote. I don't know why. I guess because writing is hard. But anyway, Ravage's description. Ravage operates best alone. A creature of the night. Craftiest of all Decepticons. Adept at devising deadly new strategies. Remains aloof from others, but his deeds command respect. Can virtually escape detection. Amidst an electromagnetic mission shield. Has a soundless walk and disappears in subdued light or shadow. Carries two powerful heat-seeking missiles, light-sensitive so he can be blinded. Uh, um, can't most of them be blinded? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's more blinded than others. You know, you see how when you walk in the sun, <laughs> and you're like, after being in the dark for a while, and you're like, oh man, five seconds, you need to adjust. Maybe for him it's 30 seconds, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mm, poor rabbit. <laughs> I take issue with one line of his description where it says he's the craftiest of all the Decepticons. Oh, you're going to say Starscream is the craftiest? You know what I'm going to say. I mean, it's true. <laughs> it's uh, true, though. What what plan has he, Ravage come up with? So, next episode, are we going to review your Starscream fan fiction? <laughs> uh, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm, that's just a joke, because the way he said he, how he likes Starscream. It's so still much. a masterpiece I'm working on. I still need more bodies like Budsaw. I'm still working on it. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. No, I mean, take your time. Like, <laughs> so, Sammy. Starscream had 400 million years to take his time. So, yep. so, Sammy, this might... I hope this doesn't destroy your love of Ravage, but this is his fate after the movie. Oh, no. Okay, Ravage survives to season three in Headmasters. After the war, he was granted amnesty and given a humanoid body. What? Oh, yep. You know, he, uh, you've watched... Have you seen Beast Wars? I, I have not. Okay, so he was involved with the little girls who were not yet the Kiss players, but the little girls that had adventures before Kiss players. From behind the scenes where they traveled through time, and he was trying to create a world free from conflict, but was defeated by little girls. Um, went back in time to the original Beast Wars cartoon to apprehend Megatron, ended up turning on the Autobots when he found out that Megatron had some secret plan millions of years ago and decided to be evil again, and then he was destroyed. You thought that was the cartoon, because you know what happens when people start writing comics. They come up with all kinds of reasons to bring people back to life. Oh, of course. So, Tarantulas rebuilt him as a transmetal, and then he went on more time-traveling adventures. <laughs> He's got a lot of... Uh, where's his time machine? Why does he... Well, if he's supposed to be the craftiest of all the Decepticons, why hasn't he actually achieved his goal? He has a time machine. Well, I don't know. He I has have time so machine. many questions. The, I, I don't remember what it was. Like, it's called like 15 Go-Go or Girls Go-Go. Teletran 1 is now like an, a 10-year-old girl for some reason going on ad adventures throughout time and I guess Ravage is there. I don't know. It's... You know, it's manga continuity, so, you know. Are we going to have to talk about the Kiss stuff eventually? Yes. I, I, do we, yeah. Oh, God, why? Why? <laughs> well, don't worry. A lot of the audio has never been translated. Oh, okay. So all you have to worry about is the manga. Oh, the visuals might be too much itself. <laughs> no, see, 
the visuals the visuals is what makes me just roar into laughter because <laughs> somebody spent time drawing this thomas rat bat he's a bat that's all you need to know anyway go all right his quote the road is my dinner plate description has no friends only business partners his only allegiance is to himself refuels by plunging his mecha fangs into new cars gas lines the better made the car the better the gasoline's haste <laughs> all right that's uh i mean okay all right moving on he's a bat <laughs> maximum flying speed 65 miles per hour carries two radar guided free electron lasers that detect the presence of an object as small as a fly wings contain mechanical sensors for locating fuel sources has one foot wingspan that can enlarge to 10 feet wings are vulnerable to artillery <laughs> yeah. if you shoot a trans a decepticon yeah. But not just any Decepticon, just him. So, an interesting fact for both of you. So, neither of you have read the Marvel Comics Transformers from the 80s, correct? I have not. Um, here and there, but not all. After Optimus Prime and Megatron are no longer leaders, Ratbat becomes the new leader of the Decepticons. Yup. Shockwave has already been taken out because of Megatron. And so now, for some reason, Ratbat is leading them. And I think Starscream is disassembled or disappeared or something, Yeah, I too. was going to ask what happened to everybody else who was also vying for control. And then you said, Soundwave's dead. Okay, what well, about Starscream? He should. He really should have been the number one to come up next. And he's, and but he's, I guess, okay, Ratbat, by default, becomes the... the <laughs> but he runs it like a business. He's like, we're using too much fuel over here. we got to <laughs> do this over here. And I'm like, yeah, this is a really terrifying He's villain. really concerned about the economics of war. He learn from the past mistakes the war on cybertron and when both sides ran out of energy he's like i'm not gonna make that mistake this time we need some discipline here some some fiscal fiscal discipline <laughs> Ratbat won't show up until the actual movie but he does of course like all the other cassettes survive but he never shows up again in all the manga it's the manga that takes place before the movie so no one really cared about Ratbat afterwards no, that's all you need to know. Okay, I mean, yeah, there's nothing interesting about a tax man. There's the two final cassettes that only show up once in season three. One is a little T-Rex, and the other is a little Stegosaurus called Overkill and Slugfest. They look awesome, and if I was a kid, I would have totally wanted the Stegosaurus if I had known this was out there because that was my favorite dinosaur growing up. Stegosaurus, really? Yes. Aww. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you always need more dinosaur robot toys. Like, that's... That's what sells. <laughs> Sammy, do you want to read the quote for uh, Overkill and his description? The T-Rex. Yeah. Too much destruction is never enough. <laughs> Whether talking, terrifying, or attacking, he does everything to excess. So busy proving how tough he is by snapping cars in half between his jaws that he forgets his mission. Can record data as a cassette, rip open the hull of a battleship as a Tyrannosaurus, armed with two batteries of motion missiles each reacts to any moving object bigger than a baseball and explodes on contact okay all right That's interesting okay i'm yeah. glad that he's a very forgetful dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> and then we have slugfest the stegosaurus expect betrayal and your friends won't disappoint you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does that sound like a star screen quote is that why you're laughing over there there, there's so many like it just reminds me of the new comics that's all a lot he's as slow and stupid as he looks plays back the message he carries thinks others are talking about him and goes into violent rages in... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god 
The end result is usually the destruction of the messages and nearby small towns that get in the way. In Stegosaurus mode, plates on the back, like teeth on a chainsaw, cut through any substance, and he carries two solar-powered vibro cannons. So, so he's a little self-conscious, a little self-conscious little Decepticon. <laughs> he also sounds like he's got two detriments, because he's always destroying the stuff that he records. So why do you need him when you got laser beak? Especially when he's slow. Your, your reconnaissance what? is not going to get to you in time before the battle that he's telling you about actually happens. Yeah, that's probably why he probably wasn't used as much, because I feel like the Decepticons really probably wouldn't like him. He, he would probably... They, they would probably murder him because he's not he doesn't seem very unique well i hope Sound you guys just keeps him around because they're cute well i hope you guys won't murder me after this quote <laughs> after the movie they only appeared in one episode but they do show up in the headmaster's manga where they are somehow defeated by daniel witwicky making them the lamest transformers in history until shia labeouf kills starscream in the live action transformers oh man <laughs> i don't want to talk about bayformers <laughs> Uh, who gets taken out by Daniel Witwicky? The most worthless human to be in any Transformers show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, the, and not just season three Daniel, but Headmaster's Daniel, who is insufferable. <laughs> like Most of Headmaster's is insufferable. <laughs> not the theme song. <laughs> Fair. Well, that was all of Soundwave and his cassettes. And you guys have any last thoughts on any of those cassettes? Any ones you like or enjoyed in the shows or the comics? I feel like, I don't know, maybe that was just Soundwave's thinking to have so many cassettes, many of which are just redundancies, it seems like. So maybe he's just like, I gotta play it safe just in case I lose one. I have a backup one that can just do the same thing, get the same job done. Well, maybe he's plotting to overthrow Megatron, and then he already has loyal followers once that happens. The tiniest of armies. He just keeps picking up cassette tapes at, like, thrift stores. (laughs) I will turn this used copy of Bananarama into my next cassette minion. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is wrong with this plan. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah though like i i the cassettes is really what makes Soundwave though for the fact that he just has them and he loves them so much yeah. kind of sort of there is a love there somewhere well they love him because in the japanese versions they're always calling him anarchy or anki however you pronounce that anarchy, which yeah. is like whenever you show someone with respect and <laughs> Like a brotherly respect, a brotherly love kind of thing, yeah. I just feel like the writers didn't really tap into that too much, and I kind of wish I could have seen more of that. Can you imagine an episode where Soundwave is presumed dead, and all the cassettes are like, we have no purpose anymore, (laughs) and they're like, (sighs) and they're all sad, and then in the episode... They just assert the war just to go, I don't know. And then then at the end of the episode, Soundwave comes back, and their life has meaning again, and they go out and fight some Autobots, the end. (laughs) Actually, I'd watch that, though. I'd love to watch that. The cassette adventures. <laughs> yes. Okay, so every episode we're gonna go through one of the I think sixteen or eighteen characters from G one, and we're gonna we're gonna do their toy quote as well as their personality description and see if it matches what actually happened in the cartoon. <laughs> so the first thing we have is Starscream. Yes. A little bit of backstory: he transforms into a jet. Yep. So Starscream, his original name was Alktar. Altar. Yes. A- according to the toy? Yeah. And went, no, we uh, turned to all the notes until they hired Bob Budiansky, 
I hope I pronounced his name right, and he changed his name to Starscream. Though along the way, two other names were implemented. The nickname for him was Pretty Poison by Bob when he first got hired. Pretty and, Poison. And one of the Transformers magazines a few times called him the Silver Snake. <laughs> so eventually, for whatever reason, he was eventually called Starscream. But, okay, so here's the quote from his original toy. Conquest is made of the ashes of one's enemies. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, that's a great quote. His description is, seeks to replace Megatron as leader. Ruthless, cold-blooded, cruel, dot, dot, dot. Considers himself the most sophisticated and handsome of Decepticons. <laughs> he is the coolest one. He believes Decepticons should rely more on guile and speed rather than brute force to defeat Autobots. The fastest flyer of the group, he can reach Mach 2.8, at an altitude of 52 miles, shoots cluster bombs and null rays, which disrupt the flow of electricity. See, right there is what it actually says. Very good at what he does, but sometimes overrates himself. <laughs> uh. I really don't appreciate how, like, the first line in his description is just about how he wants to turn on Megatron to lead the Decepticons. So that's, why does that have to be the first thing he's known for? Okay, so for, for the first, uh, you said he's your favorite character. He so is, what makes him your favorite character? He's I like him because he just has more depth than most, most of the characters. And he has more depth in an interesting way because he's not the only one that has like depth. But yeah, I like him because one, I like his design. But then two, it's just like the scenarios and his dialogue and his quotes and his ambition. I just love it so much. Because he does have, I, I, Megatron, I, I honestly believe that he just, Megatron makes dumb mistakes and choices and stuff like that. And I do feel that one way or another, Starscream could have things settled. I never really liked Starscream when I was growing up, even though I had the Starscream figure. Mm-hmm. I, like mostly it was all He-Man, so he would just be with my He-Man stuff. But I just thought, I always liked how, how his design looked, even if I didn't necessarily like his character. Mm-hmm. But one of the things... Well, I mean... And I guess works. We're not. Well, yeah, we're kind of from the same generation, and I feel like around this time, there's a movie. There was a movie called Top Gear. Uh, not Top Gear. Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun. <laughs> okay. There's a video game called Top Gear. Uh, there's a movie called Top Gun. You mean Metal Gear? Uh, no, not Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like you no, know, just military imagery was just like a thing that was in the <laughs> culture. Where just here's a poster of an F-16. Just <sighs> yeah, that You're, was a thing. You no, know, one thing my grandparents bought me. A lot when mm-hmm. I was with him. When I was growing up in elementary school, he used to buy me Desert Storm trading cards. Yes. Yeah, and so these had pictures of every military aircraft, tank. And what's weird is they would even have victories. Like, we won the victory of this in, mm-hmm. in Baghdad or whatever. I might have been completely wrong with that. Yeah. But, yeah, it was just like, I used to collect these. They made five different card series of this. Six if you count the blue ribbon set, which I have, <laughs> which is the only set I have complete. So I was a kid that was into those uh Yeah, I was the same things. way. Like, I would play the different helicopter games. Electronic Arts would make for... You know, Sega, PC, just all these plane stuff. Jets were just cool. So, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't surprising to me to see that a lot of the, of the Decepticons just were, they were designed as jets. They're designed as jets. I like jets. They just have a cool design. The, the coloring on Starscream, I like the best uh, of the is, flyers. <laughs> this is a little more about character. Uh, so I told you I had two VHS tapes growing up with Transformers. Mm-hmm. The second one I had... You learn that Starscream was actually a scientist on Cybertron before he became a Decepticon. Mm -hmm. And he joined because he really liked the fact that he could have power and prestige and stuff like this and and decided to join them. However, they come across this guy who's his old ex-scientist 
has no idea about the war because he was like frozen before the war happened. And so he's trying to make him be his friend again, but as the Decepticons, whereas he's conflicted. And I was like, that was the only time that I thought like Starscream was interesting because even though he was manipulating his friend, he was actually wanted him to be with them because it was his friend. Yeah, that actually does sound kind of cool. Is this going to happen in G1? Yeah, this is like the eighth episode. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So hopefully not too many spoilers for you. But then again, I tell you stuff all the time, which (laughs) makes you want to read them or watch them in the first place. Well, and half the time I forget. I just have terrible memory. (laughs) (laughs) The one segment I want to do about the characters is what was their fate after the Transformers movie? Uh, Do we have to talk about this? (laughs) So Starscream was killed by Galvatron. Oh, why? (laughs) But... He was apparently so popular that he became a ghost capable of possessing yes. people. However, he eventually gets a new body, is caught in an explosion that drifts through space without enough energon to get back. He eventually dies, becomes a ghost again, falls into a time portal, goes back to Earth, where he can possess people again during the Beast Wars cartoon. But he never returns to the present because there's actually a Japanese manga where he teams up with his old past Starscream self to try to take over the Megatron together. Okay, so And that's his last appearance. So this was in a Japanese series. When did this Japanese series take place in the continuity? Did it take place after Beast Wars where he gets... Well, well, no, it... uh, Well, yeah, it takes place after Beast Wars. Because after Beast Wars, his mind or his soul, whatever, or spark... It's apparently drifted for millions more years until it caught up to the present again. Oh. And then was able to team up with his past self... And try and I'm just like that's crazy. I got to read that soon. Yeah, I probably have to refresh myself on that because I thought it was stuck in uh, Waspinator for forever. But I guess it might it, Waspinator might have got his mind. I have, to, but yeah, it's like a there's a lot of there's a lot of Japanese manga. There are ten manga series that take place between season two and the movie. Actually, nine or eight because one of them is actually the third season in comic form. That's not the same thing. But yeah, there's a lot of manga that came out in the late '90s, early 2000s where they just kept telling more G1 stories. Mm-hmm. Since this was years after, they just started writing whatever they felt like. But yeah, that was his fate. And then I, who knows what's going to happen. Maybe there'll be a third. Maybe he'll eventually watch himself get killed, go back in time, and then finally take over back <laughs> in the present and you know be back there again. But yeah, no, his fate is just undetermined because he doesn't get involved in anything after that. Okay. Some of the stuff that occurred, series that occurred after Beast Wars, Prime, Armada... Armada, Energon. Those are different universes. Oh, okay. This is the G1 universe. All right. Beast Wars is actually part of this Generation 1 continuity. Okay. So So, I guess when does Beast Wars actually take place? Well, it takes place in the past, but character-wise, it's characters that are a few million years after this series has ended going back into the past from before when the Transformers woke up. Okay. So yeah, because that was what kind of confused me because, again... My first exposure was where I really just sat down was watching Beast Wars. So what you must have been confused when you watched season two and they were like, hey, here's this arc with this other guy named Megatron and this other guy named Optimus on it. Well, I, yeah, I was confused. And then I watched this episode and I was still confused. <laughs> and I just, but I guess it was kind of hard, easy to get over because I, there's just so many different continuities of and universes with Transformers. I just felt like they were all kind of just their own thing. But yeah, watching this episode where they, like they crash and then it's four million years later, it, it seemed like Beast Wars was kind of taking place back in prehistoric times with early man and dinosaurs and stuff like that. So this is like, are these supposed to take place? But then, like you said, the old Transformers, the original Optimus, they show up. Oh, all, all right. Did. But you didn't know G1 existed when that happened, right? When you I knew it, it existed. I okay. didn't know its time frame. Okay. 
So well, that's why I was confused because I assumed Gene One was like, yeah, modern day. And from watching the first episode, yeah, it is so basically you, modern day. So how'd you get interested in Starscream when you didn't know when you didn't really watch G One? Like I said, I I knew of the show. I never watched it, okay. but I always saw the toys around and stuff like that. So I would see the toys on the shelves, and I was like, oh yeah, that's a cool figure and stuff like that. So yeah. And then when you eventually watched him, you're like, man, I love this guy. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So well, that's it for our very first episode. Uh, we hope you'll continue to join us. For our second episode, where we will look at the second episode of, <laughs> of the Transformers. Can, can I please, can I read Thundercrackers? Okay, that means, Thomas, you can do Skywarps. He's boring. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, Sammy. Okay. So, Thundercracker is a blue jet whose body is identical to Starscream's. His quote is, The deadliest weapon is terror. Okay. His description, Contemptuous of anything that cannot fly. Not totally convinced of the Decepticons' cause, but they persuaded him to continue battling Autobots. Flies at speeds up to 1,500 miles per hour. Produces controlled, deafening sonic booms that can be heard for 200 miles. Equipped with powerful drone rockets and incendiary gun. Doubts about cause sometimes impede effectiveness. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) What's funny is that would never happen anywhere in the original cartoon. His fate after the movie... Thundercracker was badly damaged during the movie and then nearly defeated by Optimus's Ion Blaster. He was tossed out of Astrotrain so the retreating Decepticons could actually make it back to Cybertron, where he was later found by Unicron and remade into Scourge. Two Insecticons were also turned into Scourges. You just assume that Thundercracker becomes the main Scourge because he's front and center when the change happens. Also because Thundercracker's the best. Uh, (laughs) Oddly, Thundercracker has a grave marker in the Cybertron crypt. He was also Scourge of Season 3. Then, in Japanese continuity headmasters, he suddenly lost intelligence and became a bumbling bebop to Cyclonus' rock study, and then was never seen again, except in an exclusive comic. So, yeah. Yeah. So I was definitely not the first to, to come to this Ninja Turtle reference, because on the TF wiki, the picture says, when did we become Bebop and Rocksteady? <laughs> so it's fairly obvious how dumbed down they get once Headmaster starts. That's really sad. Oof. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about Cyclonus, but it seems like an odd pairing. Cyclonus and, and Scourge. Yeah. Scourge is the guy with the... He, be, he becomes... I, I assume... So nobody knows if Thundercracker actually became Scourge, or if a ton of bodies and minds just merged together and became Scourge. I'm just, my headcanon is that Thundercracker becomes Scourge. Okay. So you want to read uh, what happens to Scourge then? Thundercracker Scourge in the future? Yeah. Okay. So he was studied by a cosmic being, coincidentally named Seeker, who wanted to understand his Unicron transformation. He retained his old form and powers for a time. After Headmasters, he himself became a Headmaster with a new body because his old body was infected with... (sighs) (laughs) I hate Why would that be... Why would that be... Because his old body was infected with black balls. They couldn't have named it anything else. I'm not making this up. A powerful source of energy... Sorry. A powerful source of energy that amplifies evil people. What? (laughs) 
A powerful source of energy that amplifies evil people, but also turns you into super deformed characters if it explodes in your face. He then stopped participating in the war and becomes a janitor. Honestly, I would have taken <laughs> that option as well at this point. <laughs> he obtained the Matrix of Leadership in Gen 1 Season 3, and it destroyed his body, but then he got hold of it again, but it exploded him. He somehow survived and obtained Zodiac energy from the Master Force cartoon and becomes the giant monster, was blown up again, and somehow survived again, and was now regular Scourge. Because What is going on? I am confused as anything. <laughs> I mean, does this guy die? Never. He can't. He, <laughs> I feel like a lot of this is I just mean, him wanting to die and nothing's killing him. He goes through He goes through death sequences but doesn't die? Is that what they're telling me? Oh my god. So Thundercracker fun facts. Ooh. Thundercracker was in the first Transformers commercial advertising the Marvel comic, and he had a black face. And there's a commercial of a cute... I don't... That's the... I feel like that could have been phrased differently. Okay. That's not I read I it, and... I read it, and I was like, ugh, ugh, sorry. <laughs> And there is a commercial of a human wearing a Thundercracker costume next to Jazz to win a Transformers party. That's so cute. Um, because he looks like Starscream, he was a recolored Starscream, to Starscream toy many, many times. I don't think they've ever made like a unique Thundercracker toy. I'm yeah. pretty sure all of them are just remakes <laughs> or recolors. There is a really awful pink, bright purple, and neon green version of him from the 90s, just in case you wanted a little uh, <laughs> pizzazz to your Thundercracker. Yeah. Thundercracker seems to have the most variety of foreign names. His French name in Canada means thunderclap. While the Hebrew translation translates as thundercracker, Taiwan is Lord of Thunder or Cracking Thunder. In Russia, he. Cracking Thunder. Cracking Thunder sounds great. Mm -hmm. in, Ru in Russia, he's just Thunderer. I think that might be my favorite. But then in Italian, he was known as Vampire. <laughs> what? I know. Oh, Makes How no did sense. we get there? Like, I was expecting the German name to do something like that, because German names are always completely different than everybody else. But here we have Italy. Screwing things up. Oh, I love Italy. Thundercracker has a sonic boom power, but never uses it in the cartoon. But Megatron does use it on one episode when he has Thundercracker's power chip inside him. Which I guess he knows how to use it and Thundercracker's like, meh. Eh, I guess <laughs> yeah. I have that chip in me, but eh. <laughs> in the original Fire on the Mountain script, Thundercracker was actually going to be tempted to change sides and then help Skyfire destroy the Crystal of Power. His IDW comic personality of switching sides started here in his character bio and, and this changed script. He would betray Meta Metatron? Megatron? Oh, hey. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> he would betray Megatron during the events of Alternity and would then go on to join him again for some reason. Thundercracker in the IDW comics is really fun. And also, fun fact that is not included on here is that he adopts a dog. Yeah. And it's the cutest thing and his name is Buster. But doesn't he also write a Hollywood script version of one of the battles uh, that he yes. fought? Yes. Yes, and it is amazing, and he is a quality writer. What? Yeah, there's a whole episode. What? There's a whole issue where it's just him trying to be a screenwriter and write about the Decepticon Autobot battles for Hollywood. Yeah, that doesn't go away. Like, he wants to become a writer, and he's friends with a human, and he's just like, hello, could you please read my script? Also, here's my dog. <laughs> it's adorable. But he adorable. still wants to kill 
so he still wants to kill humans and destroy the earth, even though no. he's trying to build a no. life there? No, no, no. He's, yeah, he's out of the war. war. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But he's still living on yes. Earth. He didn't want to go back to Cybertron because he wanted to become a writer, and he liked human soap operas. <laughs> <laughs> Crazier than the Scourge Futures backstories? So I guess he is just the character of the series where like, nothing's consistent. We just want to do weird experimental stuff, and he's gonna be the guy. Yeah, I don't yep. even think he comes back in any of the other cartoons. He's not in Armada or Energon or anything like that or Prime. I don't think he comes back in in most of the cartoons. Like usually it's just Starscream and never Skywarp or Thundercracker, which always makes me sad because they're great. Like, the first time he betrayed in the IDW comics, I remember, is because Megatron was going to blow up New York City and leave. And he was like, well, that's, we're just killing to kill people? He's like, I'm not down with that. And so he stops the bomb. Aww. That was during the All Hail Megatron event. And that right. was the first time I actually saw him change sides. I didn't know it was, like, uh, supposed to originally have been a recurring thing way back when. <laughs> 